consciousness that is part of the greater consciousness, it's the only way that we can get to where we're going. That's right? right. So we have to embody this stuff. We have to practice this stuff. We have to, we have to live it. Yep. That's the whole idea, right? So yeah. we, we've got to get back into that practice. Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's gotta be more to life or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect. Because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our personal development without the fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, Welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right, welcome to the show. Now, before we jump in, I want to make a big announcement. So obviously we have the holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all that stuff happening. And Guy and I have created something, a way to give back to you, our loyal listeners. So you may have heard that we started something called The Collective. What you may have not heard is that right now, not only can you get in for a 14-day free trial to experiment it and see if it works for you, we've also lowered the price from $99 a month to just nine. That's right. You didn't hear this wrong. From $99 to nine. And if you do it now, you can get grandfathered in at that $9 price point today. Again, all you have to do is go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective, satoriprime.com forward slash collective, and you can grandfather yourself in to the collective for just $9. Our way to give back during this holiday season. So if you're out there wanting to make significant changes in your life, wanting to get more peace, more fulfillment, more love in every area of your life, make sure you go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now. I do not know how long we're going to keep this up. So now would be the time to act. All right, everybody. Welcome here. Uh, Guy Ferdman of the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast. We've got some Facebook people watching also. And uh, with me, I got uh, becoming a, a a close friend, I guess, good friend, yeah. uh, Jason Prawl. Uh, I've known him um, through my wife, through Mandy. Uh, and we've had dinner a few times together, and he's uh, a really interesting guy. He actually came here to do the interview, and of course, we ended up sitting downstairs for 90 minutes yeah, talking about the gamut. That. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the gamut of all things. So, um, I'm going to ask him to do like the formal, here's what I do, because he does do incredible work in the world. And I think that that gets to be honored. But we'll see where the conversation goes. And I'm sure it'll we'll probably get weird. Pretty, pretty dynamically weird. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm, I work mostly in the health and longevity field now, I guess you could say. Um, but I was a practitioner for a number of years working kind of in functional and integrative medicine, right? Mm-hmm. So running functional lab work and, and doing this type of thing for people that had chronic diseases, um, autoimmune conditions, cancers, digestive issues, hormonal imbalances, you name it. 
And through that work, really, I got a sense of where we were falling short as a as a integrative health community yeah. with the traditional ways of of practicing, and most of it had to do with emotional trauma, developmental trauma, um, and and childhood stuff, right? And mm-hmm. and even to be honest, transpersonal trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Things that we either take on from our parents, uh, our grandparents, uh, past life stuff. When yep. People talk about this. So there's a lot of things I think we can bring into that and, and they were getting missed, right? So, so it was really my failure to, to successfully work with a few clients that continue to prompt me into um, digging deeper into that stuff. Mm. And so as I dug deeper into a lot of that, that work, um, I realized how profound it was and how necessary it was for every disease, every issue that people were suffering from. Combining that with lifestyle factors, right? The, the things that people are doing in our modern world that um, that they didn't realize were contributing to their symptoms. So that's how I I really spent most of my years in the in the health field. And then at some point, I decided, you know, there really needs to be more education around the living in a healthy way yep. as opposed to resolving chronic disease. So that's uh, that's where I transitioned in sort of the longevity space. We made a documentary film series on longevity, um, looking at the cultures around the world where where people are living to 100 relatively high rates. And yeah, so bringing back to the lifestyle. Promote that a little bit. And, and you came out of school with, with all I that? I was an engineer. No, I was a mechanical oh, that had engineer. Oh, nothing for, to do for, with it. Yeah, I was in 10 years in engineering, which had, I had zero passion for. Yeah. I was just good at problem solving. Yeah. Right? So I was good at mathematics and physics and all these things. And so that just lent me, it lent me into this, this career path that I was told was going to make a lot of money. And coming out of school, I didn't really make a lot of money. Uh, and it took a long time. And by the time I was making a lot of money, I realized I don't care about this this. at all. And so I had to figure out what the heck to do. And it was really my health issues personally that allowed me to sort of dig into this this topic. So uh, one late night WebMD Google search led to a uh, career basically. Pretty much. (laughs) And and it was actually probably on web crawler or Yahoo. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Lycos and whatever else. Hotspot or whatever else was at the time. Yeah. That's so interesting. Okay. And so from your own health concerns, which is kind of like the typical teacher, right? Yeah, it's the wounded healer. You teach what you're trying to heal. It's the wounded healer. And I still play that role, right? That's archetype still manifesting through me in every possible way. The things that I'm figuring out for myself are continually the things that I'm learning how to apply to other people. Yeah. Um, so before we dive in, because I have a lot of questions now, um, talk about your movie. Talk a little bit about what, yeah. what that is, uh, where people can watch it, how what you were trying to achieve by yeah. producing that. Yeah. It's called The Human Longevity Project. And um, you can find it at humanlongevityfilm.com. It's a nine-part series. We, we investigated as much as we could about the things that contributed to longevity. Mm. And really that came from two places. Um, one is, again, I was, try- I was trying to get out, trying to rebrand myself, to be honest, out of the disease care model into to talking about health and to teaching people about health. So I thought this was a really good way to do that. And we went to places like Icaria, Greece, and Sardinia, Italy, and Okinawa, and Costa Rica. And you know, these are places that are, have been studied before and known for their longevity. Really was not our concern about the locations. To me, locations don't foster longevity. Yeah. It's culture and the cultural practices that come with it as, as well as the current lifestyles. And when we think about those, really it's, it's somebody that's 100 years old today in living in Sardinia, Italy. You gotta realize that they were born in 1918, 1919, something to that effect, right? So they lived most of their life without electricity. So it's not even comparable. So when people talk about longevity and how we can establish um, healthier, longer lives here in the West, we can't use that model. Not comparable because the environmental impact exactly. at the time is so different than today. I mean, they didn't have refrigeration. Stress, they didn't have, yeah. they, had, they were living in villages. Yep. They didn't have automobiles like we have today. So completely different world. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what we wanted to capture is almost the, 
the essence of the of the the, the time component, mm-hmm. right? Which often gets forgotten about. People talk about okay, they they eat beans and they they have I've never heard community of that. Yeah. And, the right? blue the blue it's zone like, thing I've heard of it before. And then exactly. I think okay, well, what's the diet over there? They exactly. high fat, whatever, blah blah right. blah. Beans. And, and, yeah. and people are trying to talk about like that's the secret. And the reality is, in my opinion, is that there's fundamental things that are contributing to our health mm-hmm. or contributing to imbalance and disease, and those things probably won't ever change. And if so, it's gonna take many, many, many generations for them to change. That's right. And again, these are things like community and connection. And I actually don't like the word community in this sense. Community, you can find community anywhere. You can find it online. There's, we have community all, all over this place. What we don't have is connection. We're mm. missing the connection, right? The, the fundamental connection from birth and also in our adulthood, right? Yep. And so to me, it was really the connection that I think people were trying to identify and they were calling it community. So I think it's a big distinction mm. when we bring that to the West because people are thinking that they're in a community, but if you're in a community without connection, where's the value? What do you have, yeah. Exactly. It's like social media. Exactly. Right, yeah. So it can actually maybe do more harm right. than, than you think. So I think connection is a huge one that we require for good, long, healthy lives. The food is a big topic, but really it's it's more of a fundamental aspect of food. Where's it coming from? Is it coming from good soil without pesticides and mm-hmm. herbicides? Is it is it organic? Is it is it growing in your backyard? Are we processing it either minimally or not at all? Are we sitting down for a meal? I mean, What's the energy behind it? Yeah, exactly. Like a million things, like, yeah. Is it alive, right? So mm-hmm. there's so many things there. So we wanted to bring a lot of those fundamental things that I think are, are ever present in human health and longevity. We, we can extract the essence of those and, and the practices and bring them to the West, but we can't assume that everything that we're doing here, that, in other words, we can't assume that if we bring those to the West, that's all we have it would to work. do. Yeah. I mean, watching TV late at night, eating organic food at 11 p.m., that's not a healthy practice, right? Right. So there's practices that we are doing or not doing here that we have to address too. So you can't just look at the past and say, let's do all that stuff because we'll never be 1942, you know, Icaria, Greece. Right. We'll never go back to that. We're going forward and we have technology at our, at our hands, which cut to the good or cut to the bad, right? So there's a double-edged sword. We have to determine how we use them, but we also can't say, let's get rid of technology. Yep. So we have to be mindful of where we're going and where we are now. And so that was really a discussion point around the, the documentary. And and there was a lot of things, you know, the immune system and, and exercise and movement and connection and community and uh, purpose, a big one, you know, having a purpose. And, and actually maybe even more so than purpose, really what I found to be the fundamental factor in the places that we went to was, was meaning. They didn't have a purpose in life. They didn't have this big, grandiose purpose. That's right. They, it's a very Western idea to have a purpose. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost weird. Yeah. And, and it can be counterproductive uh, to really what you're wanting to achieve. Especially um, when you think you have to define it in some very particular specific way. It exactly. really actually eliminates a lot of the possibility in life. I've been Exactly. It's funny because I've been teaching purpose for a very long time and now it actually feels no longer in alignment because I actually see how it stifles people. It sticks them into a box. They try to become some way. And a lot of times they try to ide- idealize like, what it is. Like right? a person who they think that exactly. already has attained that purpose and they think, oh, well, that's the right way to do it. Exactly. And they completely miss what their path might be. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so so purpose is kind of a weird one. It's not to say that it's bad, but I don't think it's as, as fundamentally good as we yes. have, as described it to Agreed. be. Meaning, however, is to me fundamentally important. And you can, to me, meaning is a choice. This mm-hmm. is a decision that we can make, mm-hmm. right? I can have meaning in a, in a, in a glass of water. 
right? Um, I can have meaning in the food that I'm eating. I can have meaning in a relationship. I can have meaning in a pet. Um, there's meaning imbued all around in nature, sure. um, in the rising of the sun. And I mean, there's just meaning everywhere if we choose it to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you go to Okinawa, you'll see meaning everywhere. Certain foods have a, a specific meaning. The apple represents the feminine quality, mm-hmm. right? And when you just look at it and you see the seeds are sort of in a womb, if you will, and in the shape of the apple, it is very feminine. Mm-hmm. So you can ascribe meaning to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is a bigger point of life that if you can have meaning all along the way, meaning in in uh, marriage, meaning in having a child, meaning in um, going through menopause, right? There's cultures that have that ascribe meaning to that. You are now in sort of the wise woman right. uh, point of your life, as opposed to this is awful and it's terrible yeah, and hot mor- flashes. The morning, afternoon, and evening of your life. Exactly, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So these are the things I think that we, that we can take with us, but we also have to look at, at what we're doing here. Yeah, so prior to this, we talked about Ken Wilber very briefly, and, and the word that keeps coming to mind while you're saying all this is integration. Yes. Integration, integration, because it's like, yes, community, without that other piece, we'll integrate that, right? Yep. You holistically integrate that food, integrate that, integrate that with the environment, integrate that with spirituality. And it's, it's funny because um, in the entrepreneurial space, when people tell you to hustle, one of the top things you hear is... Um, I always mess up this line, but it's like a jack of all trades, master of none. And I actually have, you know, the last few years, I'm like, that's not true at all. It's just we we lived in a time where survival was the most important thing for a very, very, very long time, right? Really up until the last few decades, if that. And that's not true for the whole planet. That's true for a sect of people right now. And then now, because of the onset of the internet and because we're automating everything, suddenly everything that humans have to do we're finding that we don't have to do. This is a generation that, um, at least in the circles that we run, that doing what you're passionate about is really important, where our parents are like, why do you even have time to think about this? You know, go get a job. But at the same time, like our environment has created this condition where there's no loyalty in corporations anymore. So this generation doesn't stick around. And uh, it's more important what happens in the quarterly report than creating company culture. And all that stuff is, is shifting in response to that, which is making people like us pursue what we're passionate about and find other means to not just make money, but make a difference and for benefit companies are growing. Anyway, I can go on and on about this forever. Bottom line is it's like we live in this time like right now, right? Engineer to somebody who was interested in personal health to care of that. But now you're looking at it from a completely different angle, which I would love to talk about in, in great detail here, um, which is like plant medicine work and spiritual, yeah, stuff. spiritual yeah. like a lot of spiritual work and, and how the kind of healing that creates and allows for that greater integration with, with the lifestyle. So yeah, that just like, just keeps coming through like integration, integration, but here's a beautiful part because we are in this space where automation is going to keep doing that. We're in fact going to have more time to yes. invest in becoming masterful at many, many arts. And, and as you do, it's almost like you get that view that astronauts talk about when they're above the plane where they see the Earth Changes as the organism you. that it is. Yeah. And it's like the more little things that you can touch upon, you don't have to necessarily be a master at things, but like have a pretty high level understanding of a lot of different things. Like I say, I, I'm not fantastic at any one area of life, but I do know a lot. Uh, I know a little bit about a lot of things. And that gives me a certain advantage and vantage point to see things from, which does kind of give me this integration process because I'm not thinking like the medical community, which is a gripe of mine that, yes, there's all the science coming about, but it's like it's done without empathy. It's done without heart. It's done without energetic impact and spiritual process that could be like really thwarting that kind of stuff. And so many surgeries that we put out there yes, it might heal the body, but then it's like the part that's actually creating the disease in the body is not really being taken care of. Mm-hmm. 
So I love that. And I, I, I think we're very fortunate to be living amongst a community of people who thrive in, in this kind of like experiential learning and wisdom. Well, and that's, yeah. and, and you hit on something I think is really important, which is sort of this, this idea that we can do many things. And that to me has been lost and it's, it's a shame because I think ever since sort of this, this idea of this capitalist like idea of division of labor, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's a lot of advantages to that in terms of growing an economy. Interchangeable parts. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you're so specialized in what you do. That's fantastic. Except for we forget that, that everything is connected. And when it comes to the arts, the sciences, the philosophies, the spiritual understandings, it's all connected. And so, you know, we used to have these thinkers that, that studied philosophy and mathematics and science and, and religion or spiritual practices that studied nature. And that to me is when you, when you, when you get this crossover effect of, of ideas and of understandings and of, of topics that you can think about and practice and, 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 exemplify, then you get to greater understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and we're right now we're in an era where scientists aren't talking to each other. And what's funny is that when you actually get like a physicist that steps into chemistry, they find the discoveries because yeah. they're using their physics mind and their physics understanding to, to look at chemistry. So you, say, you see the same thing all over the place in science. So we're missing this, this culture of integration of those things. Yeah. So to me, I think you're, you're 100% correct that, that we are now in an era where we can dedicate more free time to studying a lot of different things and not only studying it from an intellectual standpoint, but actually embodying it and practicing it. And this is to me, the number one thing that we're missing right now with the advantage of, with the advantage of the internet is the internet is exploding. We can look up anything. Absolutely. But very few people are actually trying things, mm-hmm. experimenting and filtering it through their own experience. Mm-hmm. To me, that is how you find your own truth and your own alignment and how you find your own path. So I think that's really what I see that we need to really follow is getting into this, our own spiritual path, our own philosophical path, and our own life's work. Yeah, so funny you mentioned the, the scientists like not working together. Two examples come to mind. In late September, I spoke at a CHIPSA event. CHIPSA is a uh, hospital in Tijuana okay, that yeah. uh, does Gerson's therapy. Yeah. It's for cancer yeah, yeah. therapy. Yep, yep. So for 40 years, this hospital has been like curing people. But in the last five years, it was to- taken over by three MMA fighters. And they like revamped it, remarketed it, and are doing really, really well down there. But they had an event in San Diego where they brought survivors of cancer for 40 years who've done this therapy, which is basically just drinking green juice and coffee enemas and have cured themselves and have been stayed in remission for 40 years with no problems, no chemotherapy, nothing. And these are like stage four, very severe cases. Um, They brought them together. The survivors, they brought the latest in Western research, which is fascinating. And then they brought the homeopathic community, which is doing like CBD and other therapies like that. And granted, everyone's getting there in their own way, but these communities don't talk and are like rivals in the space. So it's very interesting to watch them all come together and see their eyes open. And then point number two is, and I don't remember the name of the documentary, but uh, on Netflix and Netflix, we're just talking about is like crushing it with putting out really good content right now. They did a special where they send the top of the field in a certain area of science, like microbiology to quantum physicists. And the movie starts with one traveling to see the other at their place of work oh, that's and they're like showing them what they're doing. And then that person travels to the next location. They do this like 10 times. Wow. Until they like do comes full circle. And the last one goes to the first one. And like one of them is like a uh, cordyceps and mushrooms and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking fascinating. But what you understand is, and what I've, I have felt for a very long time. I read a book called um, mastery by 
Brian Green, I think his name is. And it it kind of talks about this process. And what I took away from that book, one of the major things I took away from the book is um, mastery at the end of the day, no matter what you master, will philosophically and spiritually teach you the same things. Like you'll just learn those things because what you got to get through to see it is all the stuff that you have in the way for that doesn't let you see it. So you're ultimately going to have to work through your own shit yep. to master that, that facet. So like people in mastery are all having the same conversation. It's the multiple paths to the same destination. Exactly. Right? And spiritual people have been saying this for how long? Forever, <laughs> right? And that's what was fascinating about watching these scientists kind of like meet up is they're all getting really wide-eyed seeing that the conversation here is exactly the same, whether you're looking at space and the farthest reaches or you're looking at the depths in the ocean or you're looking yep. at microbiology to the smallest thing that they can find. Yep. It's all identical. Yep. And that's... Well, and, yeah. and this is what the, the yogis and the, 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 the Buddhists and the shamans around the world and all these, and the Christians actually, the early Christians, sure. they, all, they all taught the same thing, mm-hmm. that, that you have to go into yourself, that you, yourself is, has full access to everything, mm-hmm. right? So getting outside of ourselves and studying space will get us only so far until we come back into ourselves, right? right. So, so we have to at least filter it through our own experience. It's the only way through our individual consciousness that is part of the greater consciousness it's the only way that we can get to where we're going. That's right? Right. So we have to embody this stuff. We have to practice this stuff. We have to, we have to live it. Yep. That's, that's the whole idea, right? Yeah. So we, we've got to get back into that practice. Such as above, so is below. Absolutely. That's uh, it's true. I mean, look, the, your body is a replication of the entire universe. You want to explore the universe, explore your body. It, it'll, it'll lend itself to the same, to same thing. Um, we actually go to, uh, we have a mentor, teacher, energy healer. I don't know what to really call him, but he's a very talented individual and, and we both seen him. I've been working with him a little bit longer. Um, and something he taught me, he's like, when you go into the system, like deep, 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 and you keep going and going in, eventually you'll end out, you'll end yeah, out back right. up here. And if you keep going way, 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 way out, eventually you'll end up back inside of yes. yourself. It's like a infinity loop that, yes. that just the way the energy kind of works universally. So it's like, you know, people, uh, I think we have built a society that unfortunately lends itself to looking outside of itself for all the answers to giving power away to certain structures and certain leaders and all this kind of stuff. And I really do hope we see that transition away. I've, I actually thought from the first day that I did any personal development, which was 16 years ago, I was 19 years old. And I sat there and I thought to myself, um, you know, there was a period of time we thought the earth was flat and the earth was under the universe. And I never really thought as to why it was such an existential change to like, like get beyond that. But there's a, a form of reality that exists in agreement. So it's like, if a lot of people agree, this must be true. Right. So of course, if everyone agrees the earth is flat, there's certain actions that you can and cannot take based on that, on that credentials. Yep. And I thought, okay, well, you know, they had to give up a piece of their identity as 100%. being like gods of the universe as this and that. So I thought to myself, I'm like, well, what is that for our time? Because clearly there are things we believe right now that are, as ridiculous as the flat earth or, you know, whatever. Um, So, and maybe that's true for all we know, maybe it's it's flat. But my my point is, is that um, it occurred to me then that it's like, we believe there's an out there that we're dealing with at all. And it's, there there is no out there. And I kept thinking to myself, well, what what would it be like to be a human being that had no concept of an out there or that was so clearly defined in their alignment that they knew that the only out there that was reflected was their inner beliefs. And it's just, that's happening. And we don't live in that world because every time we have trauma or disease or anything, we're looking, okay, well, what can I change out here? And essentially we're doing that for uh, trying to feel safe again. We yeah, just want to feel safe again. Absolutely. It is funny. It's, it's funny the constraints that our own paradigms place upon us, yes. right? And at the same time, I'm sure you would agree with us that that is part of the whole path, right? And and even looking outward is part of the path back inward, right? So right. It's, it's sort of like, 
and you see this a lot in the health circles that people are trying to, they'll start taking maybe supplements. Everything might start with pharmaceutical medications. Then they might go to natural supplements and then they might go to um, a healer who's doing some acupuncture right. or a chiropractic or whatever. And then you keep going with all that. So mm. I mean, a lot of that, all of it can play a role in your, in your path and your healing. But I think if you are on that path truly and you continue on that path, you will continue to go uh, outward and l- look for everything out there and then it, you'll realize that it always comes back in, mm-hmm. right? And and through your own experience. And so it's just part of the path, right? Yeah. It's like we're just not very efficient, I guess, uh, <laughs> at how we how we go about this. But I suppose that depends on your definition of efficiency, yes, or yes, whether you believe true. we're playing an infinite or a finite game. And that's very true. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I exactly. I've come to this like thing recently where I realize even like uh, industry and and corporations and stuff. And this is not my idea. It came from uh, Simon Sinek um, that it's like a. Uh, corporations play the game like it's a finite game. Like they yeah, set yeah. these arbitrary uh, goalposts, like quarterly earnings, and then if they don't hit that, they fire tens of thousands right, of people right. and stuff like that. And, and he was kind of showing like what what that causes in terms of not having loyalty in a company, not having company culture that really works. Um, but if they would reconsider the game that they're playing is an infinite game. It's like whether you start a company or end a company, like whose decision is that? But it made me reflect on my own life, and it's like, where are you playing it? Like it's a finite game. Like yes. I gotta achieve this. When I'm, I'm very pleased to say that, like my company and what we do in the world to me is like a infinite game that I actually deeply feel like I've been doing for lifetimes, a long, long time. way before I got yep. here. That's just the current structure that's available to me in this uh, type of reality, um, and that's what. So yeah, it's like. We really have all the time in the world Absolutely. <laughs> to, no, you, to get you, to wherever we want totally to get correct. to. You're <laughs> yeah. totally correct. So the idea of efficiency actually is laughable in a, in a huge sense. Yeah, You're right. And to me, it's just a matter of how much suffering do we really want to go through, right? That's a great so question. So it's, it's a yeah. matter of, of, of recognizing that. But even, even to getting to the, the base level of understanding of, of suffering requires a lot of work sometimes, right? And so um, you know, it kind of gets actually back to the longevity question that I posed when we were starting this documentary, which is to say that, do we want to live a long life? Like, do, you know, people are talking about this in Silicon Valley that we can live forever. That yeah. We can live, and I go back to the sort of the philosophical and moral, moral question of: Do we want to? Is that something we really want to play with? And I actually don't know that I have the answer. My, my part of my paradigm is that death is not a big deal. Yeah, it's a, a rebirth into another existence that may be a hell of a lot more fun than this one. That's right. And, and at the end of the day, so, so what are we trying to mess with? And the other part of me says, well, if we're meant to extend our lives, then that's part of the game too. So mm-hmm. um, we can play whatever game we want. Um, I think, it, again, it always comes back down to what's the point? What's the bigger picture? You know, Are we introducing more suffering in that process? And if that's the case, then that's a decision that we may not want to make, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, you're right. And it comes back down to trying to live every day and every moment as if it is a... Quantifiable, I guess, in a way that's that's congruent and that that uh, makes me happy, right? Yeah. So to me, there is. You're right. It's an infinite game. So if it's an infinite game, then then why don't I just focus on the now anyway? That's right. Right. So if if it's <laughs> it sort of comes back to the same thing, yeah. right? So let's just be here and now and do as best we can with as much as we got and have some fun doing it. Isn't that so funny though? How it's all such a paradox. It's like I have infinity to play. Anywhere. I have infinity to play this game, so I might as well focus on now. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so with that, with that, uh, just to go from there. Um, so right now, given everything you're up to, uh, what do you feel like you're most excited about that you're doing right now? I, we're we're working on our next documentary film series that I am so stoked about. In fact, this is this idea came to me during the la- during the filming, the almost the beginning of our last documentary mm. film series. This one was entering my consciousness. And when did you complete the last movie? Uh, we we finished that one. 
we, we released it in May of 2018. Okay. Um, we, we finished it a couple months before that. Um, but this is probably late 2017, something like that, where I had this idea. And it, it was really, the, what we're doing now is we're going to various cultures around the world, indigenous cultures around the world, the ancient cultures, and going through the process of bringing forth their healing practices of mind, body, spirit. Mm. So really it's not even the practices, because I don't really want to highlight the practices themselves, although they are cool, right? Using plant medicines, using various forms of yoga and, and qigong and herbal medicines and you know breath works and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, I mean, there's amazing healing practices, egg healings and you know, people using smoke, as you were telling me, mm -hmm. tobacco smoke to diagnose and figure out what was going on. There's amazing, amazing practices that these indigenous groups have, have acquired over the many thousands of years. But it's, to me, it's not the practices themselves. That's just the tool. It's the essence that we want to bring forth, the essence of, of mm. how they think about these healing mind, body, spirit. And so we're, we're going to be going to places like Nepal and India and you know, in the jungle of, of Peru and the jungle traditions where ayahuasca is kind of the primary, one of the big medicines, and then the mountain traditions where San Pedro or Wachuma is used, the Aborigine cultures in, in Australia, perhaps the Kahunas in Hawaii, the Maori in, in New Zealand, the shamans in West Africa. We're trying to bring that forth. And so we're going to film it in the style of like Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown, where cool. I'll be the subject and we'll be literally showing these practices, showing what ayahuasca ceremonies look like um, as much as we can anyway, because a lot of these are sort of spiritually based. And so we have to be cautious of the energy and, and that's, that's- How you approach it. Exactly. So, so that's what we're working on. I'm so stoked for this. We, we're, we're going to Nepal in March and that's going to be the kickoff of, of the project. Yeah. Are you, so what do you consider yourself, a director, producer? What's your- uh, What's your you know, role? I've really been playing the role of host in a lot of these film okay. series. It's kind of the, the character, uh, at least hosting this type of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm more in the, I would say, producer standpoint, director-producer. My good friend, John, who's more of the writer-director as well on the film side of the stuff. It, me, I'm providing the angle of, of the health angle, right? So the 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 messaging and the content, making sure that it's sort of in alignment there. Um, I've got some really great people that, that are, excellent writers and, and DPs, you know, director of photography and production and these type of things that are really getting amazing shots uh, on the film side and know how to put together a film. Mm -hmm. um, mine is more the content side of things. So when you say writer, they're the people doing like the voiceover, the kind yeah, of sets exactly, it up, the narration and, and yep, yep. making sure we've got a good story arc. Yeah. And, and I know very little thing. about yeah, pr it's production. Me either. either. Like, yeah. I, the only reason I know <laughs> is because I've been going through this and learning That's the right. hard way. I'm curious about that because so you go to all these indigenous places, like what's the groundwork in setting that up? Like how do you guys make these relationships work? Because that, that seems crazy. to be like a year's worth of work just to be like, hey, I'm going to head to Nepal in May. I'm going to need uh, that guy, this guy, and this guy to like take me up that mountain and talk to me about some medicines. It's, like, how does that work? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, and I, I'll answer that question by going back to our last documentary okay. film series, which, is, which was an interesting process for me because a number of years ago, I had my first ayahuasca experience, mm -hmm. right? And this was a big experience of, of the ego death mm -hmm. and, um, and rebirth to some degree. And so during that process or after that process was my first real understanding of recognizing that I'm not in control. Mm. I mean, it was always up here, right? I mean, there's a difference between intellectually understanding yes. something and embodying and truly knowing it. Um, and, and that was my first experience of recognizing that I'm not in control and that mm -hmm. there's something else. Um, there's a wind at my back, 
that there's something that's guiding me, something, whether it's my higher self or God or universe or whatever you want to call it, sure. um, that there was something else playing a role and then I just needed to relax into the flow of it and have some fun and watch it all. <laughs> so that finally took hold in me and it started showing up in my life or at least my awareness was finally there to where I could recognize it and flow with it. And so that mm. really came forth during our last project because we were trying to interview 100-year-olds. Now, a 100-year-old in Okinawa or Sardinia, Italy, there's not like a register of these people yep. that, with email addresses that we could set up. So that was a difficult process. To We would show up in these places and just start connecting with the local community and say, hey, do you know any people that yep. are over 100? We'd like to talk to them. We're looking for some fresh tracks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you can imagine that. Imagine that. what would that be like here in the West, in the U.S. in particular. You somehow finally connect with somebody that's 100 years old. You go up to their house, you knock on their door with a translator, and you say, hey, we want to interview you. I mean, around here, I probably couldn't even knock on my next door neighbor's house. They wouldn't let me interview them. Yeah. And yet we're from a different country and culture and they have no clue what we're up to. And we're so welcoming. Yeah. So that was a funny process in and of itself. We had to trust that when we showed up that we'd find what we were looking for. Yeah. So it was a big- I want to actually bookmark that. Let's come back to that, especially yeah. around safety because like that's kind of- a big thing, even with what you said, like trusting that that piece, it was like huge. The, the mind. It was huge. Just trusting why why are other cultures feeling more safe when Americans yeah, don't? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so we had to have. I just gained a sense of trust, yeah. and some magical things unfolded in that process to allow us to bring forth what we did. So to some degree, that's part of this process too. Is that I'm just trusting. Uh, we don't know which cultures are going to show up for us yet. I see. Nepal showed up out of nowhere, and it, and, and this is a funny story because I went to a um, a sound bath, a sound healing ceremony. Or, or, evening here in San Diego mm -hmm. that I went to with a friend. And I, I'm not a big sound healer. I don't go to these things weekly. It was just kind of a random thing and I went. And sure enough, the guy at the end of the session said, hey, we're, we take a group to Nepal. And I just started laughing. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so I went up and talked to him, yeah. see what was under that, under that rock. And sure enough, he connected me with a liaison basically in Nepal, in Kathmandu that speaks really good English. He's a trekking guide. And he, his sister's a healer and he knows all these healers. And so that showed up out of nowhere. So, so to some degree, that's exactly what we're, mm. that I'm trusting is going to happen this time. You know, I, fortunately, I know enough people in the health space in the, that know indigenous cultures, you know, yourself, yep. you, know, you know some people down in Peru and um, some people that know the Native American cultures and, and people in India that, you know, that study, you know, that, that teach yoga or that, that practice in, in those sort of guru-like fashions. And so we have connections, but we don't know, I have no idea what's going to come forth. And so some, to some degree, it's, it's so much trust in in the universe and and also my own capacity to to, to manifest these things yeah. that we're going to see what comes forth. But but the big key is to find that liaison, that liaison on the ground that <laughs> has trust with the local healer or local community that I can speak with, and they can sort of translate and, and get that across. So that's the that's the biggest part of this, I think. Yeah, and, I'm, and I guess. Now that you're reflecting on it, it makes sense. It's like, of course, if you're in this trust and unfolding of the universe, like you're going to want to create a movie with that same energy. I mean, I'd drive myself crazy, yeah. honestly, if I tried to, try to like, yeah, yeah, control the heck out of this thing. Oh my God. And it wouldn't come out as good. That's right. I know it. Because you're going to have these like very special, exquisite moments that just come out of nowhere. And that's the yeah. coolest part. Yeah, that's I, the coolest part. I can I'm see that. so excited for whatever the heck comes forth. That's awesome. And uh, so being on camera, is that something you're comfortable with? I am now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, boy, God, when I started uh, into this, this, health world, yeah. um, you know, cause you're marketing yourself, right? I mean, you, you sure. know this, it's yeah. like, it's you, you got to do this. And, uh, I started a podcast and I was like, Oh God, that's my voice. Yeah. It sounds awful. You know? And so there's, there's a little bit of that over time, stepping into the expertise and 
feeling like you're the expert in the room mm-hmm. uh, about what you're teaching, what you're talking about. You know, it gives you a, a sense of confidence in yourself. And so, you know, I, I've been speaking on stages a lot and done a lot of podcasts and interviews and, you know, TV stuff. And so you, you just get comfortable. You know, yeah. It's just one of those things I think that, um, that you get comfortable with. And, and I think the bigger part of it is if you believe in your mission and you, you really believe what you're doing and that you can help people and that you're here for a reason, um, you, you, you get out of your own way, right? I think a lot of the times when we feel a certain way, we're apprehensive about being on camera, that's a selfish um, mindset. And I don't say that with any judgment. It's just, we're concerned with ourselves, that's right? right? That's, the, that's where the fear and the anxiety comes from, is you're, you're afraid of something uh, that's gonna come forth. But if you're so giving in what you have and your focus is on other people, then you know, it, it becomes a selfless act and, and whatever happens, you can embarrass the heck out of yourself and sound like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter because you're here to help people. And yep. so, so I think just changing your perspective on that can really, really make a difference. And, and I think that's just part of, of my evolution in sort of being on camera and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, especially with ayahuasca and some of these things and iboga, if that comes, I mean, you make yourself look like a freaking idiot. Sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of embarrassing things you can do on ayahuasca. You can shit and piss sure yourself you fairly easily. Yeah. Yes, too. <laughs> and so um, there's a lot that can come forth. That's you right. You can say some pretty crazy stuff, right? I mean, yeah. where you might sound like uh, the biggest racist in the world. Sure. So Everything can be taken out of context. judgment that can come from that. So, so to some degree in that context, yeah, I'm a little apprehensive about what's going to come forth. Now, fortunately, we have full control of the editing. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to make me look too dumb. Uh, and but, the last movie, it was the same thing. You were kind of the host of yeah, that. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that was fine. That was, that was easy for me, but, um, but yeah, you know, to some degree, this is part of my ego, you know, friendship, um, that's going to come forth. Right. Um, this idea of, of giving yourself up to either the plant medicines or the breath work and, you know, anything that comes forth there and the healings, Mm -hmm. you know, things can come out. And so part of it, I've, I'm already understanding that it's going to be part of my my integration with the ego in a better way, yeah. Um, as opposed to killing it or getting rid of it or or, or falling in love with it or, or holding onto it too tight. So sure. There's going to be something there that's going to be so beautiful, and I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I can already sense it. When was that first journey for you, medicine journey? It's a good question. I think uh, time just flies. Probably 2016, 2015. Okay. So prior, so prior to the movie recent. going into production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was before the movie, and, and to be honest, that was it was one of the biggest contributing factors to even getting Doing the movie it. off the ground. Sure. Not in a sense of confidence. It just it literally just came out of nowhere, mm. and and I trusted at that point, right? So again, I, you could say that's confidence, but really it was a trust yep. that, that 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 really was instilled in me at least the beginning of that. And, you know, and, and it's an ever evolving process, I think, to continue to gain more and more trust. Sure. But I'm so comfortable in that space now that. Oh my God, it's just it's so much better to relax and just really trust that things are happening. So prior to the medicine you mentioned, control. Oh yeah. So so the last two years ish have been about finding that like faith alignment, surrender, so to speak. Absolutely. So huge way. I'm always curious about people's interpersonal experience with with finding alignment, right? Because before it was like the struggle, the fight, the hustle, the making it happen. Suddenly it's like, well, I'm going to just, um, I'm going to put the idea out there. Yeah. I already know it's happening. Yeah. It's happened. Yeah. And now we're just going to be here witness to how it all gets to unfold and enjoy that process. And I'm sure this movie is going to have a different, even breath of air to it because oh, it's like being yeah. produced with Absolutely. a different energy. Yep. So how do you feel in the, like the last two years? Like what... I don't want you to necessarily define it unless you feel like you want to, but like, how would you talk about alignment to somebody? Like people are listening, people listen to the podcast, people hear about alignment. Um, 
but it's like often difficult to describe because it's a felt experience. It's like trying to um, explain balance on a bicycle. It's yeah. a felt experience. Yeah. And while you may understand, understand the mechanics of it, having not been on a bicycle alignment is a miss as much as balance is a miss. So I'm like in your own words, like what does that mean to you today? I think for me, alignment really is a dynamic process. I would not be confident in saying that I'm so aligned that I'm always in that state. Sure, I'm constantly falling out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, it's really just been about understanding that that point of alignment. So for me, it was really understanding when I'm aligned and having a reference point. And then so that way, when I'm off of alignment, I can at least come back to that. And I can at least feel that I'm out of alignment. So for me, it's almost as much as understanding when you're out of alignment as, as it is to understanding when you're in alignment. Mm. Um, but, but you have to have that, that central access defined first. So for me, um, it, it's, it's when I'm acting and behaving and thinking and feeling from a place of total confidence, of, of inner knowing, it's just an inner knowing. It's, it's just, you just know it. I just know when I'm in alignment. I know when there's some fear. Uh, and I wouldn't say I always know this, but, sure. but I, there, there are is, times it's the much are too easier. Strong. Yeah. yeah, there's much easier for me to def- to understand when I'm acting from fear or anxiety or worry or stress or whatever it might be, or some other energy or entity is actually affecting me. Right, so um, I can at least understand it now. So for me, it's it's a constantly evolving felt experience that becomes more and more honed. That's really my sense of it, and so. It's really hard to define what alignment is, but mm-hmm. I think for me, it's an it's a knowing from my true self that I can sense that it's not coming from somewhere else. It's not coming from an idea, from my parents, from society, from fear, from anything other than myself, my mm-hmm. true self, whatever the hell that is. I've had this interesting thought after a few things that you've said so far. I'm kind of in this place now where you realize like the point of like everything is paradoxical, right? So like the point at which those two things meet is the point where you, you stop separating those two things. Right. So it's like selfishness and selflessness. You actually can't separate the two. Right. Because even when you start becoming more selfless, less self, whatever you want to call it, it comes from a selfish desire because serving others is self-serving, right? right? right, right. So, and then you were talking about uh, balance and I was thinking of just like, like humans walking around. And in this moment, a realization that just came through was that we're never actually in balance at all. We're actually in a constant state of disbalance with opposing forces. Like we're, we're always falling down. We're never not falling down, but we've developed these certain mechanical things that keep us up, just like lift in an airplane, right? Yes. It's the plane's always falling, but yes. it has lift because of the mechanics. It's very well said. So it's like this, like kind of this paradoxical idea of like, I was thinking, okay, well, what is alignment? You know, kind of while you were talking and digesting that. And I was like, well, we, we keep trying to clearly define something that is this abstract moving target. And because of that, of course, sometimes a like, fear creeps in, but that's part of the alignment. Like, because yes. that's the point of where it meets, right? Um, I mean, if you were truly aligned, you'd be God, right? I mean, you'd be infinite everything that's right. and nothing at the same time, right? Which, which is kind of what we are. <laughs> I mean, yes. And, and it's so difficult to like, again, the language cannot conceive this, logic cannot conceive this, which is why like the best thing you can do is have like a small glimpse and a felt experience. And, and, yeah. I, and, and to sort of contribute to what you're saying, because I think I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And I think it's almost like that alignment access is infinitesimally small. In other words, it's, it does almost doesn't exist mm-hmm. to the point where when you cross it or, or you're in it, you're there, but then it changes and it moves to the point where you're never in it. Mm-hmm. And so it's this dynamic balance of mm-hmm. of there is no point, but yet there you know when you're in it, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to say. 
Yeah, I, I think even in quantum physics, you know, it's like the observer looks and the thing appears and whatnot. And I remember I, I took this class of uh, neuroscience like many, many years back before it was even popular. And uh, Landmark was playing with the idea of trying to teach neuroscience for a while. So they were doing this uh, these courses to try to see if they wanted to add this into the mix because some things proved, in essence, what they were teaching and some things they were like, it's a little bit off, like not quite what we right. thought. But I got the sense at the end of that program that like looking at these things, again, the paradox, is like looking through a pinhole. Like you can kind of see light, but the moment you actually get close enough to see what's on the other side, it changes and disappears. Yeah. And then you don't get to see it at all. Yep. You almost actually have to stand back to even have a sense of it at all. Right. But the moment the mind gets triggered to be like, okay, well, how do we use this? How do I become efficient with this? It actually like loses the yeah. loses the essence of the very yeah. thing. It's a fuzzy thing. Yeah. It's a fuzzy thing. But you know when you're in the neighborhood, I think, is the best maybe way I can state it. Is I, I can I can sense when I'm sort of in the right space. Yeah. I think two two things that indicated for me is ease. The ease at which things are are occurring that I don't seem to have any control over and are occurring by themselves. Yep. Uh with even a light desire on my part, it's like there's like an energy field back here, but I don't have like a ego desire that that's supposed to happen. It just kind of is happening and synchronicity. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another one for me, uh, along with those two, is things will show up that I could have never imagined. Right. In other words, you know, I, 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 and I'm not going to hate on it, but I know people set vision boards and goals. I hate on it. I don't do any of that shit. These <laughs> things. I think it's a good practice to at least identify what you what you want. I think that's a good thing sometimes to, to, to sure. know your direction. But at the same time, I've gotten to the point personally where the thinking me can't imagine what the real me knows and what's coming. The timeless you. And, and, yeah. and what's possible. Yes. And so to me, why would I constrain myself to what thinking Jason wants, which is all based on past experience? Absolutely. Fear, um, why, safety. Why, yeah, why, mm-hmm. why constrain myself to that when I have infinite possibility at my fingertips? And to, so to me, it's really when these things come out of nowhere that I couldn't have never imagined. And it's, a, it, I, it's humor. It's, yeah. it's complete laughter when That's this right. stuff happens. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I see what you did there. You know, thank you. Awesome. It feels, it's a state of gratitude. I will say that's, that it's a beautiful place to be in and it's so welcomed because for so much of my life, it wasn't there mm. or I didn't recognize it to be there. My awareness was not there that when it's there now, I am so eternally grateful and happy that I can at least take notice of it. It's, yeah. it's just such a great place to be. It's like meeting your soulmate over and over again. Yeah, yeah, you get these yeah. like little moments of awe and time dilates and you have no fucking idea what's going on and you're completely magic. completely lost it's in the magic. magic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hi there, my friend. I just want to take a minute in case you skip the intro to these shows for some reason and let you know that for a very, and I mean truly very limited time, as in this could be gone by next week, Guy and I are offering entrance into our collective for instead of $99 a month for just nine. That's right. You can get yourself grandfathered in for just $9 a month for life now, as long as you head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective. And if you're thinking, I don't know, is this for me? Then I got two things to say about that. First, if you even like this podcast a little bit, you'll absolutely love the collective. We share things in there that we share with our personal clients who pay us tens of thousands of dollars and you can get them for nine bucks. And the second thing is we're actually offering you a 14 day free trial. So you can just come and check it out for yourself for free. You have nothing to lose. So again, go to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and make sure you lock this thing in before we realize that we've gone crazy and change our minds. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you in our collective. Now back to the show. 
That's a, a beautiful reflection. Yeah. And I, I find myself uh, more and more in that space too. And I spent incredible amount of time in logic as most people do because I work with countless people and it's the logic is the first thing that gets in the well, way. When your developmental patterns are such yeah. that you, you know you develop these skill sets that require that you to be very logical and smart and efficient in your thinking and you know to provide safety when you're a child or even an adult then you just get good at that. Sure. You can navigate the world very well from that standpoint when we talk about Western civilization, right? That's right. which is where most people are living. So, yeah, and I want to actually backtrack a little bit what I said about vision boards and, and goal setting. <laughs> I don't do that stuff anymore, and there's a, a an, like an appropriate time at a certain frequency in parts of evolution that I think that is important because right. some people are just like chaotically just bouncing around. They have no idea what's going on. Ways to do it too. There's different totally. intentions, right? There's, there's the secret type of way, and mm-hmm. there's other ways too that yeah, maybe a little bit. The better. secret type of way is like the the pop culture kind of way. <laughs> yes. You know, today what I find, and we talked about this on the recent podcast is like uh how do you want to feel this year because it's like really the only thing that matters it's like and i hesitate to even call it feelings or emotions anymore because yeah. like that that's a mind interpretation right. of a body sensation that the mind well, got fixated on and if you've never felt that way before then how do you even put reference sure. to it too so that, yeah and i and i ponder that sometimes because i think to myself as a, as a kid especially experiencing trauma uh adults are very quickly quick to define something for you. So it's like, oh, oh my God, you're so sad. Or, oh my yeah. God, oh, you're in love. Or they tease you or whatever it might be. And then you go, oh, this is love. Oh, this is anger. But it's like, how do you know that when that piece got activated in the system and there's like that sensation here, that that's what love feels like for me. Maybe like for you, it's like yeah. here or yep. in your butt crack. Like, I don't, I don't know where it might be, but it's like, you know, we keep trying to uh, express this human experience like it's a, it's universal and there's this uh, contention on the planet. And, and I was part of this for quite a while of trying to create sameness. I was trying to create it through evolution and through awakening. And I, and I realized through, I, I got to spend again with these very high-end landmark people who, who wrote the work with Warner 50, 60 oh, wow. years ago. I got invited to a, a special place in San Francisco and I spent 10 days in a room with these people talking about paradox, like investigating paradox. is very interesting in ways I had never, ever even considered it before. And like, um, you know, what I, what I, I kind of walked away with it with similar things that you walk away with medicine journeys mm. from is that the really thing that matters at the end of the day is there's a sensation in the body and the mind is trying to express what it is. But at the end of the day, that, that sensation's like, you know, people, I wrote a whole post about this today, about like that woo-woo, we need to stop making excuses for woo-woo. Mm-hmm. We, need to even re, we need to just use a different word that's no right. longer woo-woo. And because I find a lot of my spiritual practitioners, they like write posts and they're like, I'm sorry if this sounds too woo-woo. And I've done that too, but I'm like, dude, look around this universe. This is a strange ass place. Yeah. Like, look at the quantum realm. Look at a lot of different things. There's a lot of very strange, illogical, very not practical things happening that we may find explanations for. A lot of them we probably won't, and are very mystical, and it doesn't really matter. But the point is, is like there's an expression of some kind of frequency and vibration that's happening here. What you know, Tesla's like. I think Tesla said you want to understand the universe, understand vibration, understand frequency, frequency understand yeah. waves or something like yeah. that, right? So it's like the, you know, energy and vibration. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, at the end of the day it's like it's not that woo woo to talk about frequencies and vibrations because show me something that's physical in our plane that you could separate from a vibration or a frequency it all exudes something so if that's the case like I find that the only thing that really matters is how does the frequency in my body feel like what's that pattern of that wave and then the only exploration is when I charge my body with that wave how does reality show up right what kind of people are around me yep. what am I getting closer or further away from what I call alignment or truth is for me and if that's the case then I'm interested in investigating well how do I 
choose a new frequency. Yeah. Not even alter the frequency, choose a new frequency. Yeah. yeah. And to me, this is where we get into really what I think the body is here for, yeah. um, which is to take the subjective aspect of universe and to objectify it, mm. right? Which is everything. That's, I mean, when we see a color, we're just objectifying a subjective thing, if you want to call it a thing, subjective level of reality. Um, this is where art and music and philosophy, this is where all that lives. It is the most eloquent and effective way to express the subjective nature of reality. Mm. And the subjective nature of reality cannot be put into words. This is love, right? Yeah. We can't describe that. And you know, the, the, the Greeks did a really amazing job at trying to describe this in various types of loves. And you know, I go back to anybody that's had experiences with you know, deep levels of meditation or breath work or plant medicines or some sort of spiritual type of, of experience, try to put that into words. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. The best thing you can do is do smart, right? And you, this is where you go back to a lot of the, and song and, and these type of things. That is probably the most effective way to express it, but even then you can't fully express it. So there's a really fine line of really what we're talking about when we try to express the subjective with the objective. And it's, it's only a, a derivative, if you will, of the subjective honestly what the body is here for is to really experience the subjective that to me that's what i i can interpret is mm. that the subjective is always out there it's infinite in, in its possibility and the body is here to express that to experience it mm -hmm. and that's really all we can do so i find that the objectification can be fun but to some degree it's a it's a mental masturbation right the philosophy and the mathematics and all these things they're beautiful and it's, it's beautiful to, to bring that into our world, but it's also somewhat mental masturbation, yeah. which is why all the spiritual practices are, are delving into the subjective, right? Through the body, through the experience, through the awareness and the consciousness that we are. It feels like to me, and I, so I love what you're doing, right? Because it's like bringing the mystical mainstream, essentially, yeah. yep. and and stopping stopping this process of, again of like this woo woo woonization of the <laughs> mystical of like we don't look at that because it's abstract, right? We don't look at that because it doesn't make sense. But it, you know, like like artwork, I'll walk into the best museums on planet Earth, and I look at it. That shit doesn't make sense to me at all. Another right. person looks at that and puts a $4 million value on it. I'm like, it might as well be a piece of toilet paper to right. me. It doesn't make yep. any difference. But, you know, that's the abstract. That's the feminine. That's this fierceness of it. And I think we, we were talking a little bit about that, this rise of the feminine energy. And you could point at me to movements and stuff like that. But I think we're we're talking about it from even big, more big spiritual, standpoint. like yep. uh, like the, the rising of a certain frequency that's coming back on the planet, like a certain yep. vibration that's been either hindered or blocked or lacking for, for quite a while that's kind of uh, making a comeback. And I my research has showed that religion at its core was a very mystical arts, Christianity, Judaism, all of it. And when you look at Bible and not that I'm well studied any of these things, like these are quite mystical experiences that are, people are talking about. There's a burning bush and, well, and, and oh, right. Let, me, let yeah. me actually hit on Christianity yeah, too. And and I'm I was I grew up agnostic. Um, borderline atheist at one point because I hated what religion was was bringing to me uh, from my perception, yeah. um, which was completely false. And so if you look at um, the traditions in Christianity and the churches, they had organs and they sang these hymns that the churches were designed in such a way to resonate That's right. sound mm -hmm. so that when you were in the congregation, when you were there, we now know we're doing all kinds of research uh, on sound 
and how it affects consciousness in the brain. This would actually alter your consciousness with the organs and the hymns and the way people were singing. So yep. this was built into the religious practices to have a mystical experience. And there was fundamental understanding of sound, of construction, That's right. and how it all worked together and, and the words that were being used in the hymns. So yeah, it's, it's designed for mystical experience. Sure, and I'm sure we'll find ultimately... I'm sorry if there's too much background noise. Um, I'm sure we'll find uh, ultimately that like the great pyramids and all these things were built on basis of sound. A lot like, of people are, are talking about I'm this. sure you guys have seen those videos of like where the sand is like on a plate and they change the frequency and it, it turns into perfect yep. fractal designs and whatnot. And I imagine this is probably how they perfect well, People can levitate with sound. You know, oh, they, yeah. they use, uh, use infrasound. Yep. Like you said, sound healing. And yep. there, there is uh, certain people that believe that the pyramids actually have these like plates that people sit on and it would resonate through the body and the body would become like almost opaque. And that there was healers that could see where the diseases were and almost like flick them out because the body actually stops having solidity to it. Um, I've also heard that the Mayans, they now offer that they would con- congregate uh, multiple times per day and they would play a sound resonance and syncopation that would create a, like a resonance connection between everybody. So basically to rhythmically put everybody into the same frequency. And this is why they were able to do as much as they were because it was like, like you said, a community that's yeah. actually connected through open heart and relaxed states and safety and all these beautiful and, gifts come online. And we yeah. see this in, in, in basically what we're talking about is the coherence of energy, yeah. right? And you see this with the Maharishi effect in meditation. You get a bunch of people meditating together on the same right. levels of frequency of forgiveness and, and love and compassion and all these things. It has an effect on the global community. And this has been proven many, many times, depending on the size of the population yeah. that's practicing. We see this with, with, with lasers and light, right? The laser is basically coherent frequencies of light that creates a completely different effect as opposed to light that is spread out in its frequency. And, and you see this with sound as well. Mm-hmm. So when you get sound or any vibration in, in this coherent way, it, complete, it, it, it creates a completely different effect. Yeah. You know? Funny you mentioned that. So like many years ago, and I was like, oh, fuck, here comes the marketing. Um, they, uh, they created this uh, sound technology that didn't let sound spread out. So it would actually put out like a uh, like a beam of mm-hmm. sound. So why do I know this? Because I'm a car nut junkie. Yeah. And at the time, the luxury car companies were considering it, putting it into the vehicles because then every person in the car, you could have one stereo system, but everyone could be listening to their own sound without oh, wow. the other person listening to anything else. Wow. Because you would just get that sound beamed out of your head. And I was like, okay, cool. We're going to be walking by soda machines and it's going to be like, buy a Pepsi, yeah. buy a Coke. Well, I and know no the government's definitely looking right. into that. And yeah. There's, there's all so, kinds of technology. And that. then the minority report, I remember he walks into the gap and he's like, right. hey, welcome yeah. back, welcome. Mr. Huang or whatever, right? And it's like, uh, do you like your jeans? <laughs> right. And, but that would be that kind of technology, yeah. right? Yep. So I'm sure all that stuff is actually probably one more research than we even know and has been adapted to technologies that are just not commercially viable right now. But, but, but to yeah. me, this, is, this gets back to the subjective experience, right? You go to the shamans who use rattles uh, to achieve a, a, a shamanic state of consciousness, right. who use drumming to, to, to do this stuff. So again, they didn't have to have scientific research that was you know randomized controlled trials and, and all these things that was peer reviewed. And I mean, sure. it's almost laughable how much money and ridiculous time we spend on some of this stuff. Don't get me wrong, research has its place, but- the shamans, the ancient ones, the these religious groups, the these indigenous cultures, they relied on subjective experience right. and observation, right? So they were their human facility was so much more attuned to these subtle differences, and that's to me part of what I think we need to bring back into our culture mm-hmm. is just is the subtle is paying attention to the subtle. We we are so obsessed with blowing things the gross, yeah, yeah, blowing things wide open and needing this big dense 
thing to, to, to have an experience. There are so many amazing experiences you can have at the subtle level, which I know you know a hell of a lot about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a, so I think alignment, speaking of alignment, attunement is another yes. verbiage that we use. And it's interesting we use attunement like we use attunement for a freak, for a, an instrument because, in essence, we are an instrument that many of us are out of tune. And then, of course, you play a note that's sharp or off key and you get a sound that's unpleasant. And you can say that that's kind of how the body works too. You get an experience yeah. that's unpleasant when the sound is off. So alignment is like a, an attunement, but attunement seems to happen as we start reintegrating pieces of ourselves that we've either thrown away. You know, I, I joke about this a lot with my clients. I'm like, it's like you've taken this piece, like you want wholeness. They're like, yep. I'm like, cool. I'm like, well, this piece that we're talking about right now, you're, you have it like over there. You've like right. bastardized it. You put it in like a warehouse in the back room and you said, you know what, I'm going to have wholeness, but not with this. And it's like, well, that's part of you. So how are you going to achieve wholeness if you're not willing to look at that piece again? And, and before I mentioned like this paradox of, of, of things. So like a breakthrough I've had recently is, you know, I have this like piece and I'm outing myself. It's like the piece that, that judges, right? And and for me, it's funny when I like tune into where that is in my field, it's like way up here. Mm. It's like, uh, it feels like in the browser window where you have the little yeah, X yeah. in the, on the top, right? Like that's like, it's way, way, way up there and it, and it gets really like judgy about things. And it's like when I don't feel safe, when I'm overwhelmed, when I have anxiety, it starts yeah. having a, a strong opinion of people and events in the world and whatnot. And, um, you know, my my response to that is to to judge the piece that's judging, Right, which is ironic all in itself. So now I'm like two behind the, the thing, right? Because now it's like, oh, I'm watching you fucking judge and I'm judging you for fucking judging. And yep. so now I'm like, you know, farther away from my from my whole part. But I had this experience with with uh, with Andrew and uh, I'm in the experience and I, and I r- suddenly realized that the piece that's judging is also the same piece I use when I'm in alignment and I'm working with this, with a client. And they can say almost nothing at all, and I know exactly what's going on with them. Or they say one thing, and I'm like, "What about this?" And they're like, "How did you get that?" Because I'm more, I'm a tuning, I'm tuned to the field. Yep. But it's like the only thing that matters. Is it's it's not even a different part. It's one. It's like there aren't even parts in the yeah, system. Right. It's just one part. But we've called it all these different names, and it has subtle energy, yeah, like you said. It, right? So we've described it in all these different ways, and I realize, wow, it's like the only thing that matters is what's the frequency that I'm providing this part at that time, and it's and it's using that frequency to give me perfect feedback on how I view the world. So I'm either like in my guru, like I fucking got this and I could see what's yep. going on or I'm yep. like a mental case, but it's yep. the same fucking part. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm now finding that to be true across but, the board. Yeah. But that's the thing. I think most people yeah. don't know when you say frequency, people have an image of what that, what that means. Right. Yeah. And, and unfortunately a lot of it comes from the new age communities sure. and some of these weird, you know, sixties kind of, we have to, sort of get rid of that sort of languaging and connotations to some degree and really get to the essence of what you're talking about. And I, I think, unfortunately, most people don't know how to tune into a frequency and feel or or, or have that subjective experience of whatever that frequency is, right? Sure. And that's the part, of the part of the problem. And I can definitely identify with that because most of my life I've been completely, you know, oblivious to what that is. I mean, because we don't talk about that. Sure. We talk about emotions. We talk about, you know, thinking and, and thoughts and ideas. But we don't talk about, you know, what does a frequency feel like? What is that that experience like? Sure. And so it, part of it is, I think, just getting used to that. But it's funny, I, I want to, when you were talking about judging the judger, <laughs> I had that exact same realization on a plant medicine experience when sure. I was doing plant medicine. Um it was what came through and hard to say if it was me or if it was a, so I was being told to me by something else, be kinder to yourself. You don't need to judge so much. But what came right after that was, 
But when you do, it's okay, because that's part of your experience. That's so right. don't judge yourself for judging yourself. And I could only chuckle at that because it was, it's, to some degree, it's so obvious, right? Um, that we sh- we're all going to judge ourselves. That mm-hmm. is part of the, the equation of being human. But as that happens, just bring awareness to it. And, and to some degree, even be grateful for the, the judger, the person, the thing inside that's you right. that's judging to say, because there's something there. Like there's somebody, if you want to call it that, some part of you um, that, is, that is so deeply concerned and cares about you so exactly. much that it wants to see you do the right thing. And so the judge, that's what the judger is. It just doesn't know how to channel the energy in the right way to find compassion for whatever is, is happening, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then we judge the judger. That's so, right. Um, well, well, that's where the, I think the empathy, the patience, the grace that you're talking about, like for me, that's like the ultimate lesson. Can you be patient and graceful with yourself yes. when you're stumbling? And it's, it's so true because the, the only true thing that matters is all these systems care about one thing and that's your, your safety right. and your connection and like the things that really matter your to path. people. Yeah. And, and they're working their asses off for you to try to achieve that. Uh, oftentimes they came in moments of trauma and they thought like, and, they, and in that moment they saved your ass, but then they forgot to turn off and they just keep, keep that going. Um, I want to ask you too, yeah, how, how, do you, how do you get people back into alignment? How do, you, how, do you, how do you teach that from your perspective? Yeah, Because it's not something I actually work on a lot with my clients. I, I work got in that. different ways. So I'm, I'm curious how you get people in well, that. Well, come, come do a session with me. I'm, I'm a little bit different than Andrew in a lot of ways. Because for me, like uh, where I feel like my skills are really present is I'm really good at, like, so I'm great at working with people who do super esoteric things. Like the really high spiritual things that seem to have uh, no logic to them and are so abstract. I'm actually really good at finding language and making it extremely mm-hmm. usable for people. Yep. So that's like where my gifts are. So I'll, I'll give you a maybe a, a flip in perspective because you actually said it before and I noticed it as you said it and then you disempowered it. Oh, okay. A little bit right, a little bit right after that. And here, here's what I mean by that. And you just brought it up again. So cool. it's actually kind of perfect that you asked that. So for instance, like I don't think we're learning anything. I don't think we're discovering anything right. either. We're, we're remembering. Yes. So like you said, you traveled and you're suddenly having this feeling, and I hope I'm not outing you, is that you like you were this person who facilitated or was part of these cultures that brought these arts of healing to people all the time. And now it's like, you're just going back to the places. Like some part of you just knows where to go yeah. and it's a coordinate. There's, there's definitely almost past life stuff where this is my yeah. heritage, my interest. Right. And I'm, I'm sort of digging that up again and remembering what, I've always known from each of these cultures. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like funny, like in this lifetime, it's like you're actually going back to these locations. These locations probably have frequency maps for you. And as you get there and your feet probably hit the ground, there's some part of you that recognizes, like, oh, boom. home. I can feel that. Yeah. I, mean, I know what this I'm is. I'm home. Yep. And then you meet this person. You're like, yep. we must have known each other because right. this is t- it's too familial, too quick. It's not like I have to shake and know your hand. Like I shake and I'm like, what the yeah. fucking fuck, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's like a soul brother, right? Yep. Soul sister, whatever. And so what I've noticed now, different than how I used to, because before it was like bringing people to what I thought was truth. Now I'm more interested as like, you have your truth. I'm going to help you just dis- like, like not again, not discover, but remember. Realize you've known. that, yeah. So like you said, there's been a wind at my back. Yep. Okay. Now you had that wind at your back your whole life. Yes. But, and at different points, it showed up. It did incredible things. And yet some, because the eyes weren't there yet to see, it was dismissed as either happenstance, coincidence, or, or something bad even. Or something yeah. bad, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And a lot of times like people are really getting exactly, first of all, people are always getting what always. they want, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's like, so they, but when something really beautiful comes through, they go, because ah, the self-worth piece isn't complete. 
they don't feel worthy of what's coming through. So yep. if it's like money or love or whatever it is, then it triggers the the part that doesn't feel safe as that comes through. And they go, oh, what a weird coincidence. Yeah. Or, wow, yeah. that's amazing that that happened. But what they're really saying is, this is too good for me. Right. And what their energy field is doing is saying, I'm not ready. This and they push back. And then the cycle has to start all over again. So they don't get the... And it knocks louder next time. It right. locks louder yeah. next time. But it, they don't get the momentum that comes with actually receiving. receiving because then it's like upgrade. And then you can start receiving from this level. Well, and that's part of the feminine that's... That we're lacking as well, right? right? This, this, this inability to receive. Absolutely. So now what I do is, look, I could talk about my experiences, but uh, I find people don't learn well when you talk about them. Mm. So it's like somebody tells me something. Now, uh, I like to think of it like what I'm doing is holistic or integrity work, call it what you will. But if you think about like most people's lives are, are kind of messy. So if you walk into a room and there's a white carpet and there's a lot of shit on the white carpet, it's very obvious, okay? So it's like I've been I've invested the last 16 years on cleaning my white carpet. I've right. been using a lot of oxy, right? right. There's like <laughs> shit's white, like crazy. Right. Now, if somebody walks in with muddy boots on that part of the carpet, I know what that part of the carpet is about. So when you walk into my space, if I've done my inner work, then I can feel the resonant frequency within you. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's where the out of attunement yeah. is. I already know what's going on. Now, if I talk about you, you're going to go into a defensive posture yep. because you're going to think I'm saying that something is wrong with you that you need to fix. And that's not what I'm saying. So the, the eloquent way to go about it is I'll tell you the story about how I discovered that piece for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Then, and, and by the way, I'm, I don't normally formulate this. This just kind of comes out, but we're kind of formulating sure. it now. <laughs> so, and then like the next piece might be where like I'll find a place in their life before where they know that to be true. They've already experienced that wind at their back. And I point to it and construct it in such a way that makes it functional and usable for the rest of their lives. So there's like an almost like you already have that balance. I'm going to show you why you never saw that you had it. And that's, that's kind of where it's at with my work right now. And I, I, that's good. Cause it's using your example to take away any issues on their end. Yeah. Um, it, it humanizes you and you, it gets you on their Absolutely. level. And then you're showing them that they've already, they've already experienced, experienced this, this stuff and yeah. they, they just have to I can't teach you shit. It. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because look, every person on the planet, there is a developmental cycle to being a human. There are certain frequencies available yeah. at certain times. There are certain psychological things that happen. There are certain energy systems that come online or don't. And if you really start studying human development, these things become really obvious. Yeah, yeah. Precognition, pre-language, yeah. pre-everything that people think. Like yeah. from the moment that child pretty much hits third trimester, epigenetic, is at play there is environmental impacts at play how the mother feels is how the child is going to feel about the world that they come into and from the moment that child breastfeeds and how it feels about nourishment through their energy system is going to create a whole psychological perspective so it's like when you start realizing these things there's also a level of empathy for everybody because you suddenly realize everybody's just doing the best they can and so much of what people are doing is so far out of their consciousness and is so deeply embedded in the fascia and their psychology and their energy fields. And they really are out of control because we kind of all are running on automation. Yep. Like you get a glimpse of consciousness and presence once in a blue moon if you're like really working at it. And even then it's like a percentage of your time that yep. you're in that space. So I think that that's kind of what I've gone to is like, I don't really have the answers. What I know is that you've had these experiences. You are your own guru. You you're are, just putting them back on the track. You are your yeah. own teacher. Yeah. And I'm just here to remind you that yep. you are. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I've and I found very interesting ways to do that for yep. people. And what I find now is like, even from like two years ago, what may have taken me a year to achieve with somebody, it's like, uh, I see them do that in 30 days. Yeah. Things that people think they can't get moved past for like decades are like moving through within a matter and, of weeks. And you're yeah. empowering them and, and avoiding the, 
guru syndrome yes, as best you can anyway. Yes. Um, but it's funny because you, you say something that's, that definitely resonates with me. When I was working with people as a practitioner in sort of the more, let's say holistic, but definitely still Western ways, there was a point at which I realized, you know, I'm actually maybe doing more harm than good even by providing solutions for people. That's right. Right? And the, the sort of analogy that I like to give is, you know, you imagine a, a, a fifth grader learning math and you come up and you just, you help your, your fifth grade child with the math problem. And you, you say, oh, you, well, you do this this way and you, then you carry the, the four and then you do this, right? And you're giving them the solutions. Well, in theory, that's great. They're going to get an A on their paper or whatever. But they're not learning how to solve the problem That's right. so that next time it comes up and it's a more challenging problem, they don't have, they don't have the tools and the capacity to deal mm-hmm. with it, right? So, so that's what I realized at some point was, wow, I'm actually impeding their growth perhaps and also bringing on some karmic fun stuff for me uh, later on. So that was one of the big things that I took away and why I wanted to sort of step out of working in that way mm-hmm. and getting into more of the health education, almost like here's the stuff. If you want to take it, that's your karma now. Like I'll do the best I can to to provide you with what what I experience um, and what I feel to be true, and you can take it or leave it as you see fit. And for the people that I work with, I work in a totally different way now, one on one, because mm-hmm. I think this exact thing, right? That's you, right? You already know this stuff. You're on your own path. You need to fall down and and, and cut your chin uh, in order to realize some things, and that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just here to help you recognize and bring more awareness to the process itself. And hopefully, you know, reduce some suffering along the way. Sure. And I think the suffering is a big one, right? Um, when we talk about disease and imbalances and the things that people are going through, when you start to realize, I think, in the healing journey that it's all part of the process, then the suffering starts to go away. doesn't mean the pain goes away. There's going right. to be plenty of pain and it'll probably never stop, but the suffering does not have to come with it. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that the journey is so beautiful and the journey can be so much fun, even the pain can be part of the fun, recognizing that without the pain, you don't get the, the absolute uh, bliss that you're looking for. And without the bliss, you don't have pain, right? That's you right. need these sort of dual aspects of this reality to enjoy that and to recognize the beauty of it. And so, so to me, that was just such a big realization coming into the, into a, the next evolution of healing that, that I was working with um, was to help people get a, a sense of the process is the beautiful part of this. It is not the destination. Where you're going doesn't really matter all that sure. much. You're going there. At some point, yeah. just just enjoy this while you, while you can. It's right? all it's all language, right? At the end of the day, like art, music, forms of language, frequencies, vibrations, so on and so forth, and and this stuff too, like the it's up blue, the the pain and the frequencies stuff. It's it, it's all language too. Like when you start realizing that pain is a form of communication that your body is giving you, and it has Absolutely. it has incredible feedback to give you, and and offers an expansion into space. You start stopping avoid, but you're absolutely right. There's a huge difference between pain and suffering. I sat in uh, a 10-day silent meditation three years back in uh, Vipassana. One of my favorite things I've ever done too, by the way. Same, like yeah. uh, enlightening, beyond enlightening experience. And I remember the the part where sitting is no longer painful. Yeah. Like you're no longer, you're no longer suffering. So, yeah. Yeah, and I remember just sitting there like with, with wild pain in my leg, yeah. but it was like, it was like I was almost outside of my body watching the pain and not not being the pain. And something that I really realize is that it's not the pain. It's and it's not even the it's the 
we can say the reaction, but it's like, how are you reacting to it? So if you're like- It's almost like the story and the emotion and the thing yeah. you bring with it, right? And I, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is just like getting a bug bite or a rash. Yeah. If you scratch it, yeah. it expands. Yeah. And if you leave it the fuck alone, it just yeah. takes care of itself. So I started watching the pain by just like leaving it alone. Yeah. And what I saw is the pain exists, but it, it doesn't grow. It doesn't keep- expanding right and and that was a really beautiful lesson for me and I, I i did get to a point where i could like sit there for hours at a time without like moving yeah. a pinky and i was just it, it blew my mind yeah, that, that was impossible gotta, you yeah. gotta change your stories right Ch- change your, the stories and the meanings that come with those stories and i think as we start to do that then our reality as we know it or as we experience it can vastly change yeah you get you get instead of a trickle you start getting a waterfall Absolutely. because you you are a yes to all of it. And I think the beauty of that is that it gives you access to universal wisdom, which is how I believe all these shamanic mystical arts came to be anyway. And again, like you don't have to go very far, look at the Bible and all these things that are clearly having very mystical experiences yeah. to give them these truths. So it's not that far fetched that, you know, this is maybe something we want to um, head back towards and stop making fun of. I could see why it's been made fun of for such a long period of time. And I'm not saying throw out the logic. I'm just saying like, hey, grasp what logic is for. Grasp what the mind is really good at. The mind is fantastic at uh, perceiving raw materials. It understands them. It knows how to take them apart. And it knows how to put those raw materials back together in new ways, but it doesn't know newness. The newness comes from the body frequencies that opens up uh, you to new experiences that create wisdom. And then when the body, and as the mind eventually learns, because the mind's a little bit slower with this, it learns that wisdom and it it becomes usable in this subjective reality and and new and interesting ways. And this is why we're always going to continue to evolve. And, you know, that that drum of evolution is going to happen whether we want it to or not. It's natural. Absolutely. And that's, and I I totally agree. And I think this is, you know, again, it, it comes to me, the reason people aren't more, attuned to this or, or, or accepting of these, this, this languaging and this, these ideas is because we don't have the experiences. We, we're not having enough of these experiences yes. both intentionally and with the awareness around them and people guiding the process, right? Um, I think that's, that's what we're lacking so badly. And part of this next film series that we're creating, you know, there's an old story, an old prophecy called the condor and the eagle, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, but for, for those who aren't, it's such a beautiful prophecy and it's thousands of years old. I don't know that we even know the origins, but it's at least three, four or 5,000 years old, I believe. And it, it, the essence of it, if I'm not mistaken, is that over the course of these thousands of years, the, the rise of the masculine, of the logical, of the, uh, of the West, the traditions in the West and the, that whole archetype will become so powerful that it will almost wipe out the feminine, the indigenous, the heart, those archetypes. And at some point, I think they kind of traced it, and there were was, was cycles to this, a few hundred year cycles, I believe. At the end of the last cycle, which I think they're, they're trying to establish that it was maybe around 1990-ish, something like that, I think is what I've heard, that we would have the opportunity. And, and by the way, the eagle represents the West, the logical, the masculine, and the, and the condor represents the feminine, the indigenous, and the heart space that the, the ego will become so powerful. At the end of the last cycle, the, there would be an opportunity, not a, not a destiny, but an opportunity for humanity to uh, share the skies, that the condor and the ego would be able to fly together and we would create a new wave of humanity and peace and collaboration that like, like which we've never seen. Sure. And so this is to me what I'm seeing mm-hmm. um, in real time. I do believe this is happening. We are, as much as we are destroying the rainforests and still not opening ourselves to indigenous cultures and, and the ways of the past, we are 
bringing it forward. You know, the, the, you can only, see, uh, the easiest example is ayahuasca, right? This is almost becoming, it's moving so fast in the West. Yeah. It almost seems trendy yes. in a bad way. Yeah. I don't happen to believe that there are bad ways. Um, and, I, and I don't happen to believe that, I do believe that ayahuasca has her own, her own plan here That's at work. Right. And the indigenous <laughs> peoples have been seeing this for a long time. And so um, it's cool. And I think this is part of what I'm excited about is sort of playing whatever role I can and whatever we can as a company um, to facilitate this process of merging uh, the condor and the eagle uh, in, in this in this new wave of humanity uh, because it's so exciting and, it, and anybody that has gone down to the jungle or any of the indigenous traditions and experienced whether again meditation uh, breath work uh, plant medicines whatever it is yeah you have a new level of reality I think when you bring but when you come back to the west everything shifts for you and so. That's part of the biggest uh, aspect of this film series, I think, is to play that role and to hopefully bring back some of the magic and the mystical experiences and the fun aspects of life sure. that are subjective to our to our modern world. That's awesome. I agree. It's difficult to know um, what the narrative on a planet that's being told, if that's really what's happening, <laughs> right. or if it's on par with a reality TV show that's being served up to make people fearful and stuck in some kind of reality that actually doesn't even exist anymore right. because honestly like for all the stuff that we see that's on the news and, and not that I watch that all, all, all very much but like it's so far from my personal life experience that I, I, I watch it like I'm watching a movie at times I don't really relate to it I don't know too many people that know people that act this way that right. they show that seem to be on every corner on every news channel right. like so I, I often sit there and wonder because like I remember many years ago I uh, I grew up in North Jersey and I had this friend Andy who became like politically active and was like part of these campaigns and I'm and I remember asking him like so what is what surprises you about this well he said well we all get an email every morning and it has all the talking points and that's what you hear on the news every day right he, I'm like, well, where's that email come from? He's like, where indeed? <laughs> you know, I was like, huh, it's interesting, it's right? The whole that, mockingbird media tech. It really is. Thing. So it's like a narrative that's just being served up and, you know, has its own its own agenda. So, you know, I I, I do believe there's a reason. Like when I found ayahuasca, so um, it was... How long ago was that? Uh, you've had many experiences. Five, yeah, it was like five, six years okay. maybe now. Five, I want to say, minimum five. And when I did it the first time I'm like oh this is why I, I was clear this is why I moved to California yeah. because I'd never heard the word on the east coast and like now it's more prominent there too and it, yeah. like you said it's amazing and, but it definitely and, is probably resides more on the west coast yeah like like uh, yeah I don't know what it is about I guess maybe again feminine energy west yeah, coast yeah it's, it's the newness too right the, yeah. the east coast is so established and rooted and, and everybody the archetype that, trans, that that was traveling west way back when probably totally. brought that with it there's right? some kind, something about energy yeah, moving yeah. in this direction yeah. from west to east like generally yeah. speaking um, so when I did it the first time it was equally uh, eye opening it yeah, I, I don't know. It put a lot of pieces together very quickly. It also gave me radical experiences that I felt very deeply inside of me that either I wanted to have or were already true. Right. And it was the confirmation of something. And I think ultimately what I liked about it, because at that time, um, like saying the word God was extremely uncomfortable yeah, for me. Right. Because I, I didn't. What does it mean? 
right? I, I was, was worried like, that people th- would think that I think there's some old man in the sky. And that's just it. Yeah. Because you don't have a strong definition for it. And there's, right. there's only other definitions. And so you're subject to whatever definition the listener has got for Absolutely. you, right? Whereas now, when you talk about it, you know no what, what you're talking about. Yeah. Who cares what anybody else really thinks? Yeah, I, I also can feel that because it resonates a certain way in my system right. that there's less room for misinterpretation about where that's coming from because there's an essence to how it's being said. Sure, it's delivered, yeah. And, and you know, that's what I realized more and more. Like I, I, I've been in the personal development space 16 years. I've probably been coaching 13 to 14 of those years. So I've coached tens of thousands of people and I, and I realized for how long I was coaching out of the mental space. Mm. And you know what? And it's not like bad or wrong. It was appropriate for that time. Okay. I wasn't a person that had a lot of value in myself at all. I grew up uh, very suicidal and depressed and a lot of those different kinds of things. And when I popped out of that, I was about 27 before I remember having a conversation with somebody and realizing how much I offered and that I suddenly felt like my value was very apparent. And that's when I started a company because I was like, I really have something here that's different. Mm -hmm. Because up until then, like there's this very, it's very easy to believe that you're catching up Right. With people, right. like I see this with entrepreneurs all the time who are learning right. online marketing. They they like learn something and they they're like I don't really know anything. I'm like you've been in this for six months. You know, ninety nine percent more than these billion people right. right here. I'm like, but there's yeah forty people over here that know a little bit more than you. I'm like, but you're not you're not giving credence to how much value what you've already learned is. So in that moment that was the case. But like at that time, what I needed was that like external conversation with watching the transformation happen. They'd be like, Oh, I'm valuable. Yep. Oh, I'm valuable. Oh, yep. I'm valuable. And that went on for years. And then maybe like two and a half years ago, I really, something had changed probably because of plant medicine work and the value wasn't coming from out there anymore. So it became a little bit scary because it was like this drink that I had been drinking from that suddenly wasn't nourishing anymore. And I sat there and I said, oh shit. I'm like, that's not where the value is coming from anymore. I'm like, it's so deeply ingrained in my system now and I had to do that work. And then, and just that, that insight gave me more access to looking at where it wasn't. And then, so like now that value has been in alignment, attuned so much that it's like my work has nothing to do with what people are producing, that's like, I can step back and be like, that's fucking amazing. And it has almost, I don't feel like it has anything to do with me. I'll often reflect to people I talk to now, I'm like, you can give me your, your power if that's what you choose right. for a little while because sometimes that is actually is appropriate. So you can you can disidentify with what it is that you're working through. You actually need me to hold it. I'm like, but the moment you're ready, take it back from me. I don't want you. I don't want it. I don't right. want. I don't want to be your drug. I don't want you to keep coming here. Like if you like if you keep coming here, I know the people who are around me that keep coming back are the ones that end up wanting to start serving. 90 to 95% of all my personal clients now coach inside of our organization because they're like, I want to be doing what you guys are mm-hmm. doing, which is a really That's beautiful amazing. and honorable thing that I'm like, That's fantastic. Uh, some, something I'm most proud of. It's not of. normal. Not normal, no. yeah. And with students, like if I watch people keep coming back, but there's like no headway, they're not empowering themselves, uh, they're there for the wrong reason. And Honestly, I can't even think of an example where that's happened, but if I saw that in my organization, it would be something I'd want to clean up very quickly. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the stuff. Like, I, I really am, am starting to see that we are in the precipice of what I believe is a monumental shift in, in, in social well-being, yep. uh, hopefully in connection. And I even think the internet with all the, sh- the shitstorm that's on there is playing such a vital role to see, like, what connection isn't. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to, I think it's going to be, more chaotic before it gets more calm. Um, but I'm God for one, I'm, I'm welcome the heck out of that. I think it's going to be amazing. I, I'm with you. I, I have such a positive outlook mm-hmm. on the near future and, and, and very much the distant future. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy in any way. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think it depends on what energy you bring to the table anyway. Mm-hmm. So w- what experience do you really want to have in this 
chaotic time uh, because it doesn't mean everybody's going to go through chaos and it doesn't mean everybody's going to have a miserable experience or a beautiful experience, mm -hmm. right? You, you play that role. Uh, but that's part of the reason why I love particularly plant medicine. Um, not to say that they hold any specific power that you don't already have, but because they can blast you through a door. Most people are so stuck in their cage that they're not going to start meditating. You know, right. Some people do, and that's fantastic. You know, That's, to me, one of the ultimate things that we can do is meditate, breath work, use the breath, um, and really start to tune into our systems through those methods and other ones too. But plant medicines just, they bring you there to, to such an, a degree so fast. And it's not for everybody, it's a, no. it's, and it's not easy, it's work. Yeah. People think it's not work, it is a lot of work sometimes. But it opens the door so fast that it starts to bring people into meditation who may not have meditated. It That's starts right. to bring people into a breathwork practice where they may not have ever done that had it not been for that experience. It, it opens you up in such a way that is so undeniable. And I do believe it fundamentally changes your, both on the neuro neurological level, we have evidence to suggest that it changes us physically, mm -hmm. but energetically it shifts us, I think, in so many ways, which is not to I say that it's perfect and it's not to say that it doesn't come without danger and risk yep. and that it's not hard. But to me, it is one of the most accessible tools that we have in the West to, to bring us out of our paradigm into a new one, whatever the heck that might yeah. be. And like you said, it's a tool. Uh, and like any tool, it can be used in a lot of different ways for, for good or for, for, for evil. Um, no, no evil, but just a darker light, I think is more appropriate. Yeah. Um, and, and I think also there's, there could be an, an addiction factor to it, not because it's addictive properties, but because of the experience itself and wanting to see those to realms and, and be place. in that level yeah. of peace that, yeah. you know, like for me, I, I, I've identified with that. Same. I, I found that where Same. it's like, wow, I really, really enjoy because I, I feel like sometimes this is a, such a mundane place yes. that that becomes so attractive to yeah. be in. And so there, there's a real skill that had to yeah. develop and it's still developing, I would say, to, to really and have the same love for this mundaneness, if you will. That's right. Well, it's not so ironic though. Like this world is honestly anything but mundane. Like, <laughs> like cause no, I, I'm with you hundred percent. It feels that way sometimes, You're but it's like, correct. if like some entity came to this planet or there was some other realm of consciousness, but you took uh, a pill and what you saw was where we live, the colors and the weather and all of it. It's mind blowing, right? Yes. Like where, where we get to live, it's truly a, a paradise. So, um, what's, you know, with, with plant medicine, I've kind of gone through my tenure with it a little bit because I'm, I was, uh, very aggressive on psychedelics. I'm, I'm, I'm very aggressive on experiences, period, especially ones that expand consciousness. Yeah. Um, and so, so for those five years, like you said, I've had a lot of experiences. I, you know, well north of 60. And honestly, I know people who've done way, way more, way more yeah. than that. So it's yeah. like, and that might sound crazy to somebody who's never done the work or has done a little bit of the work. But honestly, you know, it, it, it dabbled. I, I was pretty aggressive more in the beginning. Um, and, and what I agree is like, look, it, it, it gives the frequencies. Mm -hmm. It has the maps. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I didn't find it necessarily that it was always easy to stabilize. Right. I, I personally feel like working with what we're doing now with like Andrew and whatnot, the last year and a half, two years, what I've learned is how to stabilize them, which has also led me to desire them less, less. because I found those pockets within myself and I don't need to keep chasing, the, chasing the medicine. Yeah. You know, for me, like I have a very uh, sensitive system and um, because that it builds up anxiety very quickly because I, I was never quite taught how to close a system and I start taking a lot of people's energy. And I feel nearly obliged to deal with it. Yeah. So I'm the type of person that if you're in a room with you, and two people are arguing, I, I feel like I'm happens. part of the argument. Yeah. Yeah. And I start like almost processing the argument as if yeah. I'm the one that's yeah. doing the arguing. Yep. So, so that's been many, many years then. And um, 
the last year and a half, I learned how to stop that shit. Yeah. And when I did it, it was an instant moment of peace. Relief. Yeah. yeah. I, I got like, yeah. I found it. It's very simple. I teach it to my clients know how to do it too. But like, it made me even more aware of my, how my energy body works and that what I get to be responsible for about how I'm going to open and close this thing yeah. and at what times. So I did a lot of plant work because I would go through, and not always, but at certain times, these uh, extended periods of peace. And in those periods of pieces where I would always learn the most and where I would produce the most because it's like when it's effortless and you're in this really beautiful balanced state, so to speak, is when like all these amazing things would happen. And then it would like, you know, fizzle kind of. Yeah. So I would go back to the medicine because it seemed to be the source of it or meditation or whatever it was. But in a way, it was, that's why I said it's kind of Pulling like an addiction. You. Yeah. yeah. It pulled you away. It pulled me bit. away. So like now if I go and do the work, I'm coming from a, at it from an aligned place where before I was coming to the work to get into alignment. Yep. Um, and it's different. So like we're going down to Columbia in, in April with a bunch of our students to do a bunch of experiences down in the jungle. And I'm really excited. Like I'm, I'm actually not ready. Like I'm actually not in the place where I'm ready for yeah. medicine, but I know I will get there. Like my body just knows when's time. Yep. I'm excited because every time I've head down there the last few times, I'm in a much different place and I'm doing... I'm doing the medicine for really different reasons yeah. than I was a few years ago because I, I seem to have at least found a pathway to that expanded piece without yep. the medicine. So I'm like, oh, what else does this tool have to offer yep. now? Because it's not the reason it's being done. But certainly, like you mentioned, tools, right? Like we could hammer nails into a wall with a rock or with yeah. our hands. It's going to take a really long time. We got some hammers. We have other tools for that. It's like mm-hmm. there are very efficient ways to find these things and uh, and we talked about it earlier what i love about ayahuasca is it does not matter if you have faith or if you don't it's just like it's going to reveal some really beautiful truths yeah. it's going to reveal the wind at your back and yeah. how it's always really been there and that there's something that you get to trust in this universe that's so far beyond what you could possibly imagine and the funny part is that it was always there yeah but you either learned to shame it or people told you to do it and you right. believe them and you thought that that was the way to do it. you got to go at this alone you can't trust anybody else it's a scarce universe and you got to fucking get yours right now and the truth is as None right. of that seems to really... Well, the truth is they're both true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but which one would you rather be? And I'd rather be in an effortless existence of Absolutely. connection and uh, heart opening. And for me right now, it's like the, it's always like coming back into the body, opening right. my heart. And, and just like the last little thing, um, I know you want to chime in, is um, you know I've, I've seen so much healing happen in the simplest way. And now I'm like, holy fuck. Like that's <laughs> how easy it gets to be. It gets to be so easy because like, it's not that we can't heal ourselves. That's so simple. What has happened is that most of the experiences we're having are in, held in a state of love. Yeah. So it's like when we're angry, we don't have people around us who, who are in alignment enough to hold that and just sit in love while you're being angry. Because if you, if you experience love while you're that, being angry, right. the peace would resolve itself. Right. It would just be like, oh, I get to show up this way and there's still love for me here. Because the truth is you don't have to do anything to receive love, right. even though that's what we've been told. And I think that's the thing. So like now when I'm with my students and they're going through something, I'm like, I don't even have to change this. I don't right. have to express anything. I'm like, I'm just going to hold the state of love. Yeah. And you just watch how that changes it because yeah. it provides something for their yeah. systems. Yeah. yeah. It almost, it's a release outlet, yeah. right? And There's the evidence. And, and <laughs> it's, it's funny too, because, um, you know, I, I think about these sort of bigger, sort of weird, we, we just call this, this whole episode, the paradox. Yeah, sure. Cause it's, it comes back to a paradox again, where, would you have ever gotten to the point where you're at without doing that plant medicine first? No, probably not, because that's the way it unfolded for you. It's it just. I don't actually. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I know exactly. from where I am right now. I don't know well, we can because I don't know. We say that it's not how it worked out. So 
we'll just go with that. Yeah. It right? opened a big ass fucking door, that's for sure. But yeah. uh, you know, maybe a good analogy would would be, you know, would the child have ever learned that the that the stove was hot until he or she touched it or was around it? Valid, yeah. Probably not, right? Mm-hmm. Just seeing something that's sort of red and glowing doesn't necessarily give you an insight that it's hot mm-hmm. or that it hurts or even what hot is. That's right. right. That subjective experience that we're talking about to objectify it. So so to some degree, we can look at plant medicines the same way. That, you know, Terrence McKenna talks about boundaries and going to the edges, right? That his whole thing and he was very much a psychonaut, uh, but he was always talking about go to the edge and go beyond, mm-hmm. right? And while I don't necessarily fully agree with that in every instance, I do like it in a sense of when you find the edges, then you understand where center is and you mm-hmm. understand where, where to go and w- what that looks like. So getting out of alignment may be the perfect thing to help you understand where alignment might reside, Absolutely. right? So, so it's such a beautiful aspect to, to the plant medicine work. And you know what I find even more attractive about plant medicine is not really even how we've been using it, which is to really open up the magical side of, of reality, of letting go of traumas and you know healing ourselves of physical pains and all these things. It's really what I find really fascinating is how the shamans and the indigenous peoples have used it, which is, you know, you can go look to, at the Shapibo tradition, which is one of my favorites. They use these master plants with a dieta, specific diet of, you know, plantains and fish, for example, for months on end mm. to the where they become so attuned to the energy of the plants, to that frequency that the plant provides. Gotcha. And these plants are teaching them, right? I mean, this is amazing that tobacco can teach um, something to a human by by going about this certain way of existence. Ayahuasca will teach them as well. Yep. And there's dozens of other plants that do teachings that we have, don't even really know of that they use all the time. And they use them in such a way to bring on these sort of skills. It's almost like you're going to mathematics class and then you go to sure. you know your geography class and then you go to your physics class. So like, they're going to all these different courses, these mm-hmm. classes to mm-hmm. learn learn a new skill, learn a new knowledge base, learn some new wisdoms. And the plants seem to have this ability to collaborate with us and teach us something about reality that they can then bring in from the subjective through the experience of, of integrating and, and collaborating with the plants to the objective world. They know now how to use smoke to blow on somebody to diagnose where right. the problem is. They know how to use the ikaros, the songs, these, these things that can work with the person that's in front of them to heal. Mm. They know how to use these egg healing and you know they use guinea pigs. You have to tell me about this egg healing. Of, and I, I have a book on it, I haven't cracked yet. Yeah. Pardon the joke. Does it go? Um, in the, does it go in the butt? Uh, no, I think what they do is they'll take a raw egg, okay. and they rub it all over your body. Um, and I'm guessing the idea is that it's picking up the frequencies, the energetic disturbances in the body. Interesting. And then they crack the egg, I believe, and then they read the egg. And even huh. knowing a little bit about water and how crystalline matrix of water and, and things like egg, egg is actually very highly crystalline, the, the, particularly the, the whites. It can store information. Mm-hmm. Water stores infinite amount of information. Sure, sure, we sure. know this from Gerald Pollack, from um, Maywan Ho, from all, all these people that have studied water science. So I'm guessing that that's part of what's happening with the egg uh, and the way that they use it. They've just developed a highly sensitive right. ability to be able to read this and diagnose and figure out where the problems are. So um, and again, that's that's my, I, I could be totally getting that wrong. I haven't read, yeah. I haven't really looked into it yet. I've just sort of been inter- introduced to it. Yep. But the plants are teaching them this stuff. And if you ask the shamans, how did you learn to do this? Well, the plants taught us. Sure. Which sounds ridiculous in our culture, but this is seems to be the reality. And that to me is what's so cool about plants is instead of using them as a tool, which they can be used as a tool and a very effective tool and a really good tool. I love the idea of using them as a collaborative. Um, 
project, if you will, mm-hmm. a, a way of teaching us about other parts of ourselves and about reality. That is, I think, something so cool that we, we haven't come close to working into our culture here. So yep. there's so many levels that we can look at these plant medicines and, and the, there's so much farther that we can go. And I hope that we can start to learn from these indigenous peoples around the world with all this stuff. Sure. And it makes sense. I mean, I, I think ultimately we're going to probably find that the entire planet is a uh, mainframe of uh, intelligence because again, it such as above, so as below, it looks exactly the same, like everything else that's inside of us. I know um, a few years ago and I, I'm to some degree maybe misinformed on this, but like a, a piece of quartz that is about a millimeter thick and centimeter squared can hold about 330,000 terabytes yeah. of We're information. Computer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And has, uh, so like the, you know, like the future of like data storage is like quartz um, and can, it has a, like a half-life of like hundred million years or something silly like that. So it's like, if you think about that, that's one piece of quartz and how many ecological, you know, geological things are around us holding information and we're finding... I mean, this planet's 70% water. I mean, mush- mushrooms themselves are the ultimate mystery right now. Um, I don't know. Did you hear about this? Uh, I heard on Joe Rogan, he had this like um, mushroom specialist on there. Probably Paul Stamets. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So they were He's like... from my neck of the woods up in Olympia, Bellingham, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, the, by yeah. the way, Olympia, that national forest is like the yeah. most beautiful place yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he was talking about how they took, um, you know, they're finding out the mushrooms basically are the consciousness the of the planet. Yeah. They're the living network. They tie all the roots and it's basically like a alien on our planet yeah. and when we're eating it we're essentially eating like a form of its consciousness that's helping open up our own consciousness so these are the theories but they um they in japan they made a um uh, i guess like a model like a of map, their subway right? system yeah. did yep. you hear about this yeah it's amazing it's amazing i explain just wanna, it i want to share it with you guys ever. yeah I, I talk about this all the time it's it's, so it's cool. mind-bending yes. so they they basically plant the mushrooms in the middle and they they give it sources of food at where the locations of um different subway stops are like the hubs right? that's right yeah. so so the mushroom grows out in every direction and finds the food but then comes back in there's like this yeah yeah like like communication yeah communication that happens and because it it found where the food is it now goes back to the food and grows out in the most efficient ways possible and what it did is it reorganized the subway system so that it's more efficient than the way that man set it up which is just like Talk about plants yeah. in the most obvious, simple sense of teaching us something. Yes. Like that's, a, that's a great example of it. And mm-hmm. I, I love Paul Stamets. The guy's a, an absolute genius when it comes to a lot of different things, um, particularly with mushrooms. But yeah, I actually had a, this is funny, <laughs> I had an experience when I mean, you're talking about the living organisms of, of, of the planet itself. You know, I found that plant medicines tend to speak to you in your language and things that you understand and ways that you understand. Yeah. Um, and me being very cerebral with, a lot of things, mostly due to my traumas and patterns, but uh, it just seems to be my my skill set. Um, I was I was being given this information. So there's this idea where uh, your wife, you have newborn, uh, she's breastfeeding. What's really cool about breastfeeding is that the saliva of the baby will enter the nipple, and the mother's right. immune system informs the body. Yes, yeah. will respond to baby's needs and requests based on the baby's sick, whatever it needs, right? So this immune factors are shared. And so there's this two-way communication between baby and mother and mother knows always what baby needs Mm -hmm. through the breast. And, you know, it's interesting that we call the earth our mother, Mm -hmm. right? And we are sort of the children uh, amongst every other living species. And we come from our mother and we go back to to our mother. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about it and and, uh, in terms of the plant medicines, how how they're making a huge comeback or a huge 
wave into the West. And it's almost like our mother, the earth is sensing what we need based just like, a, just, just like we are breastfeeding. Mm. And we are very sick right now as a society, as a human culture, we are sort of sick. Um, there's nothing wrong with us. We are infinitely, uh, you know, we have infinite potential and we are, we are everything that we need to be. But right now we're sick. We're sick mentally, we're sick physically, we're sick emotionally, and we need some healing and we need some help from, mm. from our mother. And to me, this was, came through a plant medicine journey that, that this is what's happening, yeah. is that our mother's actually responding to what's going on and providing us the nourishment in the form of ayahuasca, in the form of mm. psilocybin, how it's now coming up in the ranks of research. And then we're, we're accepting this as a possibility. It's, it's on the ballot, I think, here in Portland, or yep. here in Oregon, rather. Colorado, um, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's almost like, we are responding uh, and the earth is responding to what we need just like uh, it would as if we were breastfeeding. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, isn't it silly that we have to go through rounds of uh, uh, all this like scientific testing when it's like, I know a few people that can give you some feedback on, on, <laughs> yes. on what it's done for them. And there's pl- there's plenty of science out there if you guys are looking for it. So, uh, you know, but same thing with like uh, CBD and, and THC yeah. and what's happening with that right now. And uh, you know, I think the evolution of that that I'm hearing is like, so CBD is like uh, one component, but within oh, that there is like all these like different uh, things. Of course we it. get reduction. This right. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to just start pulling out like certain right. CBD right. Certain factors that and, like, yeah. you know, help you very specifically, which is super interesting. But again, you know, like anybody who's been in this field, again, we've bastardized it. We've made it dark. We made it not to look at. And we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot and put ourselves behind many, many decades. Yep. Like where could we be right now with, uh, yeah. you know, with, with good research. It's almost scary to think about. And, and like the, the quality of the material because we're seeing like how quickly THC and CBD is becoming, you know, super potent and very quality driven. I mean, imagine yeah. if you can go into a store and say, hey, I have depression. We're like, yeah, we have mushrooms that take care of that. Or it's like, I want to just enhance my mood or get more positive or get more creative. Oh yeah, we have we have that strain right over there, you know. And, that's, and we've been talking about it in the sense of, you know, doing these things from a sort of spiritual evolution or, or evolution of the self. But, you know, just in, in terms of medical uh, treatments, you know, we're, we're looking at MAPS right now. MAPS is the organization yep. that's studying this stuff. You know, it's studying MDMA, which is a pharmaceutical derivative of, of basically sassafras, right? Yep. You take the sassafras plant, you you take saffron, which is the active compound, and then they modify it chemically and, and make MDMA, which is, you know, molly or ecstasy that people are talking about. And it's being used right now, as you know, for, for couples therapy and for PTSD yep. in particular. A very effective tool, and it's not even a plant. It's yeah. it's a pharmaceutical derivative of a plant. So imagine what we can do when we start to apply these things in clinical settings. You know, not to say that that's the only way, but that is certainly a, a thing, something that we can do. Sure. Um, you know, cannabis is being used this in this fashion more appropriately, which is great. Uh, mushrooms and psilocybin is is on its way. Um, MDMA is is on its way and sort of being used in some circumstances. You know, and it's cool because. It, well, it's sort of funny too, the, the way that we're studying psilocybin. Um, there's some research out of the UK that showed that um, music is perhaps one of the most important factors in a therapeutic psilocybin mushroom right. experience. And they're trying to figure out what part of the music and that what they actually identified was the timbre mm. of the music, which is sort of the quality or the the color of the music, which mm. is sort of this very subjective kind of thing. Right. It's hard to put your finger on. Um, 
But again, this is something that, that the indigenous people have known forever. They've been using drums, they use rattles, they use Icaro songs. Mm-hmm. They, they, they figured this out through subjective experience, you know, or perhaps even through being told by the, by the plants themselves. Sure. But it is cool, you know, we're, we're now realizing this. Yeah. So you've got people laying down in a clinical setting in very safe environment with headphones on and eye mask on being dosed with psilocybin and, yep. and it's treating depression and anxiety and, um, and all kinds of issues, uh, even on the physical side. So this comes as no surprise to anybody that's taken these these substances, but to some degree, I think it is necessary for the people that are not ready. Maybe they're not quite as adventurous and and willing to just throw themselves into, into that experience without a little bit more, you know, a sure backing from, from the, Established community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, so it's funny because like, I think about clinical studies with ayahuasca and I'm like, wait, so people are How doing are this you? in the fucking lab? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And yeah. again, it's subjective. So I, to some degree, I, there's a, I laugh at it. The reason I say yeah. it's funny is because it's, a psilocybin experience is so subjective. Yeah, you can't study it, right? We all we can study is its grand like the, the neuronal like the neurons are firing essentially yeah. in the body, yeah. right? Right. So and, and yeah, so but my point is like you know the, the part of the healing is like being in nature, being in that like in the, in, in your environment. Um, there's a guy. Um, Zach Bush. Yep. Doctor Zach Bush. Restore yep. Restore for Life. So I've been taking that for like the last year. And once I saw that research, I'm like, this is brilliant. But it also had me reconsider everything we know about bacteria. And um, if you guys don't know, I highly recommend just just checking out his stuff and even looking at some of his products. They're fantastic. And he's not paying me for this, so just <laughs> just enjoy. <laughs> uh, yeah, like yeah, I mean, full it, integrity. it's one of the full one of the few things I've ever put in my body. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I can feel the difference in that. Um, but my point is, is that you know. Um, uh, Louis Pasteur and like that whole idea of like how to the reason we can't find the key to certain things is because it's done in the lab and it's not done yep. in the ecology yep. and it's not yep. done with the bacteria that's there yep. and that all really makes sense so for me it's like the same thing it's like okay you put lab right. test this stuff yep. and you take somebody out of the biology and ecology that yep. is such a big part of the experience like so if the tests are saying this is what it's yeah. doing, like what is it doing when it's done in the environment that it's intended to be done in Absolutely. that's not being tested and how much more effective Absolutely. it really is for people. Um, and that's where the indigenous yeah. cultures can really lend sure. us some, some wisdom. We can skip a lot of steps in the in the clinical testing if we just observe what, yeah. the, what the indigenous culture, and they, they've done this for a reason. They, they've set up their environments and their settings and their the time and the whole thing for a reason. Fair, and and yeah. so we just need to maybe ask why, and yeah. again, part of the whole point of what we're doing with this film series is to bring forth the essence of what they're doing and why they're doing it to hopefully skip some of those steps, you know? Uh, But I totally agree. And actually I was having this sort of uh, conversation on Facebook with Dr. Dan Engel, who is very well known for uh, studying plant medicines Mm -hmm. and psilocybin and has plenty of experience in this, in this realm. We have such a new understanding of the microbiome, right? Of the microbiota in the gut, particularly, and it's everywhere. Microbiota are everywhere on our skin. They're in our brain, they're everywhere. But primarily we're looking at the gut. We don't understand the ecology what's happening there. But my thought is, is, you know, how cool is it going to be when we understand what ayahuasca, when you, you know, this weird substance that you drink and how that's, you know, we know serotonin, most of it's made in the gut. And we know Mm. that the serotonergic system is primarily what ayahuasca from a physiological neurophysiology standpoint, that's really what we're talking about is the serotonin system um, and the H2A receptors. Um, So, so that's really what we're talking about, but how does that impact the gut microbiota? Because there's an interaction there for sure that these organisms have, have experience with this, these compounds and these plants. What the heck is happening there? Can it change? Yeah. Yeah. Can it change our microbiota for the better? We're taking probiotics and that's fantastic. But could it be that something like yahe, which is a sort of ayahuasca derivative, so to speak, or traditional ayahuasca or 
um, peyote, you know, which you eat, um, San Pedro. Yep. Could it be that they're changing our, our neurophysiology in the gut because we have an enteric nervous system, right? So we're talking about how these affect our nervous system, right? The serotonergic system and, and the neurons. We have a massive enteric nervous system which actually operates independently of the brain and right. the spinal cord. It is also connected to the vagus nerve, but but even if you cut the vagus nerve, we have understanding that it operates on its own. Mm. So you literally you have a brain here, yeah. And of course, we trust your gut, yeah, follow your gut, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we, we already know this, yes. but 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 what's happening there with the with the neurophysiology combined with the microbiology combined with these these plant medicines? We have so much to learn yeah. in the Western sense, right? Yeah. Which I do think is really cool. But let's also just remember that let's not get caught up in sort of the mental masturbation of this stuff. Let's use this stuff in a safe and effective way and follow the guides that, that are our indigenous heritage to help us do this safely and effectively in the right context, in the right setting, uh, in the right circumstances, because it's not for everybody either. Absolutely. Right? And, I, and I think that's a, a really valid point, something I want to just uh, share also that, I, you know, the essence, like you said, of the movie, but the essence of doing this type of work is really important too. And yes. just because, you know, like, no one should be doing this type of work unless they're absolutely called to it. And I, and I strongly recommend if you are going to do this work that it comes through a referral source of somebody who's done the work before you and could adequately tell you that this is a great place to go and these are good people to work with. Because, again, there is a, there is a inherent danger with absolutely. any of these things and certainly people who want to, you know, take advantage of, of all sorts of movements. Um, I, I find it interesting that we are going through all these studies and how much pharmaceutical is out there that has gone through decades of study, but then gets into the marketplace and causes so much Reeks havoc. Yeah. I mean, yep. opioid crisis and whatnot against yep. synthetic opi- and opioids stuff, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so it's, it's ironic how people think about these things. I, I find it's basically sanctioned is really what we're talking about. We're not talking about actual safety. Yeah. We're not talking about any of that where it's sanctioned by a body that people, for whatever reason, trust. Give their power to, yeah, yeah, like religion exactly. and, you know, government. Government is the new religion. It's a new poppy. Uh, yeah, it's a new poppy. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I think on that note, we'll, uh, that's perfect. It's we'll good wrap it up. Down. Yeah. Any any parting words? And um, you know, just to kind of just piggyback on what you said, I think there's an important aspect to um, to following your own path, right? Yeah. To, to not follow somebody else's advice. You might be inspired or, or curious about what we've talked about today, sure. but if it's not calling, you don't do it. There's tr- a tremendous amount of therapeutic benefit, I think, when it comes from you making the decision from from an aligned place or at least of. Uh, an authentic place mm-hmm. um, as opposed to somebody convincing you to do it. I think you're setting yourself up for either disappointment or perhaps more suffering and more pain yes. if it's not your decision. So, 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 so I important. I just want to reiterate that, that, that aspect. Of yeah, that. and, and again, just to back that up even more so, yeah, I remember um, people who like would do Landmark and I was in that work for 10 years and put so many people in that work, but there was a, a, a massive difference between somebody who got pressured into coming yeah. to it because people wanted them to like fix something and choosing it again, the essence of it is you might everything. Even call it the placebo effect, yeah. right? I mean, it's like it's your decision. Like yeah. you've committed to this. Like, yes. That's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it makes all the difference in the world. I think the, the container in which you approach uh, any, any experience, endeavor, right? yeah. certainly something that's going to open yeah. your heart or expand your heart or expand consciousness. Um, you really want to get there, even if you're nervous about it, or even if it scares you. But there is like a big yes inside your yes. body. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, funny enough, I think if you have the yes inside your body. It's going to find you. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. how things well, that's go. That's what they say about ayahuasca. Anyway, yeah. Right? She calls you. Yeah, right? she calls you. And, and I think that's kind of true for everything. And, and, and you know, like at the end of the day, um, uh, I think that it's funny. Like marijuana really is the gateway drug. <laughs> you know, we, we legalized it and it's going to open it because from a capitalistic perspective, I could see why America is going to love it. However, from the other perspective, it's like 
you know, when this stuff isn't done under the table and it's done right, then we get quality. Uh, we could see what it's doing in society because it's talked about openly. We could see where it's not being used properly. And to me, it's like we got to take the reins off all these things and yeah. go into a deep study of wisdom by going to indigenous cultures and yeah. doing movies like these and getting the research done and then bringing back the knowledge over here and also saying like, cool, like really what kind of society do we want to have? Are these the type of tools that are going to assist us in getting there? I think they are, especially when you have to kind of like shock the system right now yeah. to be like, okay, if we want to bring a new psychology into the, into the mass and we want to do it with acceleration, then um, there's certainly, those are the things like you, you have to step out of your paradigm. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Otherwise you're, you're, you're stuck where you are. And I think the question you have to ask yourself is the same question Reagan asked before he became president. Are you better off? Are you going to be better off or are you better off than you were four years ago? And if you are looking at your life right now and the answer to that is no, like I'm not better off than I was four years ago, then the probable almost certain future for you is that that's going to continue on and something gets to come along and interject. Now that something could be something like suffering, like cancer, like a disease, like death, like a lot of other things that do happen to people when they're not paying attention. Um, Or you could, you know, move into some action that could add a lot of ease into your life. And and certainly I'm a huge proponent um, as I know Jason is for these type of plant medicine works. And if you have questions about potentially where to do them and stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. Then um, That's a big part of what yeah. we want to do as a, for, for our company too is as we develop these things is, is provide, hopefully be a resource for people too. If they want to go do Panchakarma in, in yep. India or if they want to do plant medicine in, in the jungle or if they w- want to find a good ashram to go study in. Like that's what we want to sort of help facilitate yeah. because I, I totally agree that it's the most one of the most important things, if not the most important, is to do these things in, in an ethical, safe way because that setting is is really the key. It really is. Right? Yeah, big time. All right. Cool, this is great. Yeah. Thank you so much we'll for do it again. inviting me on. Awesome, brother. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Cheers. Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. Like I said, you can even try it for free for the next 14 days. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just $9 a month. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash the collective. And as always, we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show. So if you head to iTunes and leave us a review right now, you could actually be next week's lucky winner. And lastly, if you do want to connect with Guy and I, head to Facebook right now, join our personal development without the fluff private group, ask for permission. There's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well. And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.